square fielder. He's gone to the dogs. Hi folks, Steve Fielder here. This episode has a special meaning for me, and I hope that you enjoy these conversations that I recorded recently at the UKC Winter Classic in Batesville, Mississippi. The Winter Classic is an event that kind of holds a special place for me. Uh, I recall back in 1988, it was, while I was at UKC, that we held the very first Winter Classic. We held it at the South Dartery Community Center outside of Albany, Georgia. We were there about three years Uh, under the circus tent, and we moved to the Exchange Club Fairgrounds in Albany and held the event there for many years until it moved to its current location in Batesville, Mississippi. My good friend Nubbin Moore, who on the day that I'm recording this, uh, February 13th, is celebrating his 83rd birthday. So we want to send a Big uh, happy birthday wish out to Nubbin. He and I have logged thousands of miles together going to Coonhound events. So hope you have a great day, Nubbin. Anyway, uh, in these conversations, I had a booth there at the Winter Classic, and several people stopped by, and I took the opportunity to record our conversations. And that's going to be the content of our episode. It's a rather lengthy episode. And, uh, of course, podcasts being what they are, listen to as much as you can stand at a time and come back to it and finish up. I thought about running it in two episodes, but I think we'll just do the whole uh, kitten caboodle here, and uh, I hope you enjoy it. So, without further ado, uh, I will pause briefly to thank W Hunting Supply. Uh, without them, this podcast would not be possible. My friend Buddy Woodbury, and of course, Jason Doobie, all the folks out at W Hunting Supply, they'll take care of your hunting needs for you and your dog, and especially that tech support and those great electronic products that we all depend on so much. W Supply. Without further ado, let's go right into the arena at the Winter Classic in Batesville, Mississippi. Welcome, everyone, to the Gone to the Dogs podcast. This is your host, Steve Fielder, coming to you live on Friday morning at the UKC Winter Classic in Batesville, Mississippi. Now, you're going to hear quite a bit of background noise here today as we're recording because we are located in a prime location right by the stairs that goes up the stage where Alan Gingrich, the uh, director of field operations or field op, hunting ops, I'll get it right, is uh, now addressing the crowd, telling them the uh, parameters uh, for the bench show that's coming up in just a few minutes. Today's show is being judged by uh, Scarlett Overton, and uh, and then tomorrow there will be a separate uh 
judging with Amber Carroll. Now, I may have these ladies' last names. I remember them for so many years ago, but I'm certainly looking forward to working with them because later tonight at 6.30 will be the top 10 judging of the top 10 dogs of each breed and uh, throughout the year and uh, it's just going to be an exciting time and I am fortunate enough to be able to be on the judging panel with these two very capable young women and uh, I'm certainly looking forward to that. Uh, I'm going to uh, try to talk over uh, the mic that you hear in the background and hopefully this is coming through it's going to be a tough day for podcasting here on the floor because we're right in the middle of all the action uh, as I'm looking around here we've got vendor booths all around on every side we've got uh, the UKC headquarters and their merchandise tables uh, down the way behind me on the other into the stage is the uh, are the association booths. Well, folks, I'm uh, really happy here now that the opening ceremony is over and uh, we're able to sit down here at the booth while things have quieted down a little bit. The judging is taking place now uh, in the main arena here, just uh, just to the right of us uh, or of where I'm sitting. And we're right here in the middle of the action, for sure, right off the stage here in uh, in the arena at the Winter Classic. Uh, a longtime friend stopped by the booth, and I grabbed him by the arm and said, Hey, Dex, come over here and sit down and talk to me a little bit. From the great state of Texas, Dexter Watley. Dex, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, Steve. Doing good. Blessed. Oh, absolutely. Well, we got off. We tried this once, and uh, we kind of got thrown off there. We were talking about mules and all, and I want to get back into that for sure. But uh, uh, as I said earlier, I only went about a mile to school, so sometimes these things don't work out just exactly the way I want them to. But, Dexter, you are 73 years old. Mm -hmm. Yep. You're yep. just a pup. I got you by four, buddy. <laughs> We're going to keep on keeping right. on. Now, you worked uh, a long career with, what, with the paper company? Yeah, International Paper. All right. And that, now, you're over around Atlanta, Texas, in right. the northeast corner, right? Right. We're, we're eight miles from Louisiana, 15 miles from Arkansas, and 70 miles from Oklahoma. Yeah, man, you got it all right there. I, I guess that's what they call the Arklatex. It is the Arklatex. Yep, yep. Yeah. Uh, okay, you kind of left Oklahoma out on that. Well, day. You, you, it, don't, it takes a little effort to get there, and I got some oaky friends. But I mean, you okay. know, you don't want, you don't want to let them think right. you think too much of them. For sure, <laughs> I got you. Well, you know, back in my day, I remember being with UKC, and we had the zone hunts. And uh, I was trying to do uh, multitask, as these youngins say nowadays. I was trying to work two hunts at once. And that one day we had the Blue Tick Fall Roundup in uh, Hope, Hope, Arkansas, Hope, Arkansas, and they had a zone hunt in Paris, Texas. So, as I recall, I went over, uh, and I remember this pretty well because uh, we were uh, the one of the other groups, it might have been AKC or ACHA was trying to make a bid 
for the Blue Tick Fall Roundup to get the, to license their hunt. Mm-hmm. And, there were, and I believe it was AKC, and this was before my AKC day. Right. And they, I knew that they were going to be making a presentation there to the membership of BBCHA. So I was down working the zone hunt in Paris, Texas, and I believe that was the first year we had the zones. I believe it was, or maybe the second. Boy, I can't remember. That's been a long time ago. But what I did is I got up before breakfast and drove to Hope in time for that meeting, and I just wanted to be sure that I was there. And I can remember so well after they made their spiel and all for the, you know, and I just, I just stood up and I said, "We're proud to be associated with the Blue Tick Breeders and Coon Hunters Association, and we have been for many years. And we've always tried to give you excellent service with your papers and and so forth." And I said, "And all I can tell you is, we just want to continue to do what we've been doing. We appreciate your relationship and want to carry on." And that's basically all I said, you know, and and. Uh, then I got back in my little rental vehicle and headed back to Paris, Texas. <laughs> so I, I did double duty that weekend, and and uh, I don't know whether it had anything to do with what I said or not, but we did end up keeping that. And uh, it was hosted there in Hope for several years, yeah, yeah. several, several years. Yeah. Had the opportunity to judge that yeah. time one time. There was, one, there was some guy named, no, nah, I won't go there. There was some Hope. <laughs> No, uh, that it's the home of uh, Bill Clinton, Hope Park, that's all. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, those those uh, days back. Now, one of the things that I, I think that you're joined to the hip with is a very successful hunt that happened for so many years there in Atlanta, Texas, and that was the Cystic Fibrosis Hunt. And give me a little background on that, Dix, because well, that's such a great story. Well, it it actually happened that it, it, it uh, very root came from Hope, Arkansas. It's just ironic that you said this, but it was when BBOA had a national hunt there, and I think it was '83, and um, my wife and kids had gone down to see her family in Beaumont, Texas, and she had left me. I, you know, I was a young, a young father with a sick daughter, and I was trying to be frugal with my money. And she knew I wanted to go to this event, and I came home, and she had a note and some cash there, and said, "All they're wanting you to do is make a donation to the Arkansas Children's Hospital, which happened to be one of the hospitals that did a lot of CF work at the time," and. I went up there with a, a young dog called Domino that was 18 months old, and I placed um, fifth Friday night and I think sixth Saturday night with the dog, and that was like giving a cocaine addict <laughs> a shot, a snort. Uh-huh. And uh, in the process, I met Mr. Miller, uh-huh. and uh, I had already talked about this envisioned this hunt and I told him what I wanted to do and he Mr. Miller said I want you to call me and back then it was easier to get through and he he 
I called him. He went through. He said, I'm going to help you walk this first thing, this first one through. And he did. And um, the thing about it, it was a one-night Saturday night hunt. We hunted 90 dogs. And uh, we raised about $3,300. The same weekend in Longview, Texas, there were some women. And Longview is 10 times the size of Atlanta. They had uh, a walkathon and raised about 500 bucks, which was, a, you know, an, an admirable amount. But I had called the Dallas office and said, I'm going to put on a coon hunt from y'all. And they laughed in my face. Mm -hmm. And uh, anyway, when we sent them the check for uh, $3,300, they never laughed again. <laughs> and uh, it lasted 35 years. And we cumulatively, we cumulatively raised over three quarters of a million dollars, all for cystic fibrosis research. That's an amazing story. And, and of course, that I think probably <clears throat> your impetus for that was the fact that your daughter had cystic fibrosis. She right? she is forty five years old. Will be forty six this coming year, and she's in modestly good health. She does her treatments and her medication. She's very religious about it. And um, part of the money that we helped aim this toward was the uh, uh, pneumatic pulmonary vest uh, that beats these kids' chest and breaks that mucus and stuff uh, up. And um, a lot of those kids wouldn't have made it without that and some of the other uh, high-powered antibiotics that have been mm -hmm. developed through that. Yeah, well, I know that it was a very, very uh, successful event. We had and, we had dogs from twenty six states in Canada mm -hmm. and hunters from there. Yeah. Now, now, didn't we? When I was with AKC, did we send Jerry Mall down there? You to, did with your uh, mm -hmm. with sure did. Yeah. Well, it's just such a great thing, and that brings up the point when it comes to coon hunters, and I hear this all the time. I heard it on a podcast the other day. Coon hunters sometimes can get out there and in the heat of competition, things, you know, can can get a little touchy at times and all that. But you just let somebody have a uh, an emergency in their home, uh, a house fire, a child, uh, you know, that's sick or whatever. And coon hunters will come together. Uh, yeah. What's I, your perspective on that? I'm, I'm, I'm humbled at, at, at this brotherhood. I'm yeah. humbled at it. Um, and I, people don't realize it. Anytime I look into my daughter's eyes, I see that. I see them. Mm -hmm. I see what mm -hmm. they've done. Mm -hmm. um, and there's, I, I, I relate to this because there was a young man drowned in the night champion cast. And myself and several other people were involved in putting on an auction and a hunt and stuff like that. And it's only a penance for what's deserved. But you, you, they reach coon hunters will reach each other. They will step out and, mm -hmm. and yeah. Um, yeah. It's, well, it's humbling. It is for sure. Well, Dexter, it's been great to talk to you. I'm, uh, my format for this weekend is I'm going to try to talk to as many people as I can in short segments. And uh, build a, a podcast out of out of these recordings, 
but it, it's awesome to see you. And I'm going to get down to the All American Blue Tick booth down there and see <laughs> you and Mark Houck, your secretary treasurer, down there. And who else is here with you? Oh, a young man named Stephen Wright is. Uh, he's one of the. He's my son's age, but I hunted with his daddy for years and years and years. And they're generic hunters. Stephen happens to have blue dogs and Walker dogs right now, uh, but. Uh, they uh, they were he his daddy was old enough that he still hunted when they they put it put food on the table it put money in your pocket mm -hmm. and so the he's grounded in in uh, the knowledge that of what it takes to train a dog yeah yeah well that's great well Dix have a great day and uh, buy yourself a puppy man <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's uh, that's what I mean I'll bring another one home. Well, friends, uh, and you are my friends, <laughs> very happy here to have lassoed another longtime friend of mine uh, here at the Winter Classic, and that's Jerry Sullivan from Starkville, Mississippi. Jerry, I don't know when we first met. Was it in my PKC days, or how, how long have we known each other? It's been UKC. a long time. UKC. UKC. Okay. It's been probably 40 years ago. <laughs> And that's just like yesterday, folks. Right. <laughs> Jerry and I were visiting here just a little bit before I pushed the magic button, and it was uh, uh, we're both pretty much the same age. I'm a little bit older than him by about a couple years, I think. But uh, Jerry and I were sitting here, I guess you could call it the Coon Hunter's Lament, talking about how we uh, have basically uh, scaled down our coon hunting activities. Um, Jerry, you were telling me a story there about how you basically quit coon hunting or you had an incident that happened to you in the woods. Want to tell me a little bit about that? Well, I have a, a grandson who's 15 now, so back then he was a lot younger, and he'd started coon hunting with me. And a longtime friend, Kenny Parr, came down from Illinois, and we went fishing all day, and we went coon hunting, just the two of us. And uh, at uh, towards the end of the coon hunt, my dog got away from the other dogs and got treed, so we drove down the road and by a railroad track and i said you just wait here and i'll i'll go in and get her i'll be right back and i didn't know i was in the black gumbo swamps uh, i didn't had not been in that area and i got in there and on the way back he said he talked to me when i was at the tree on the phone and on the way back uh i fell and i couldn't get up and uh, basically i lay there with him trying to call me and calling from the truck and he said then my dog came in and he knew something was wrong so he started calling and finally he got close enough I could hear him and he came to me and to make a long story short we got an ambulance and uh, my blood pressure was real low and I spent three days in the hospital and and I thought just think if I'd been by myself and so from that time that night I said I was done I wasn't oh, okay. coon hunting again. So I hunted for about three more years and, and decided that uh, I was having to go by myself too much in bad spots. And I said, it's just not worth it. I got grandkids. I want to see them grow up. And so I just said, I'm done. So, Well, you know, it's, uh, coon hunting has been so much a part of our lives. 
And I've had several conversations recently with people, and I hear it on on uh, other podcasts and so forth. The guys talk about how it, it, it's their life. You know, it's who, it's not what we do; it's who we are. You right. know, we're a coon hunter. I mean, we and for people on the outside of our circle, that sounds crazy. You know, uh, they don't even know what a coon hunter is. Right. And it's got all kinds of negative connotations and all these things. But it really is something that gets down deep in our souls. And then as everybody under the sound of my voice is going to experience what you and I are experiencing now. If you live long enough, there's going to come a day when you're going to have to step back and look at it and say, you know, I really shouldn't be doing this anymore or I really don't you know sure if you've got a support network of younger guys that can handle the dogs and you can ride around in the side by side and and all and I do have those kind of friends but certainly not in Florida where I live now but uh, you can kind of keep your hand in it but I was speaking with Jim Ridge here yesterday Jim came by Jim's been a long-time breeder of right. English hounds in Indiana, uh, in uh, Briar Creek, and Jim quit. He back in December, I believe. He said he doesn't have a dog on the place. He just and, and kind of like what you're saying, you know. He said one of his uh, daughters asked him, "Well, you can't." Or said, "You can't quit." You know, you've got 40, you know, all these years, you know. He said, look, you know, I did this for 40 years, and I dedicated myself to it, you know, and I had success at it. But isn't that enough, (laughs) you know? Right. And I think, you know, it's not a – it's not a – you have to bear the shame of quitting coon hunting. You know, right. sometimes we just realize that that time's here. Well, you know, so many people quit, and a month later they buy everything new and start over again, yeah. and they quit. You've known those people. Oh, yeah. And so when I quit, I sold everything the next day. I sold my dog, dog box, tracking system, everything. Then I sold my kennels, all my my roll cage, everything to do with coon hunting, I sold it. And I said, now, I've got grandkids. Enjoy the grandkids. Yeah. Uh, let your wife enjoy you again. Uh, yeah, and, get reacquainted. Yeah. Uh, and we uh, we go to Mississippi State ball games. Uh, awesome. We go fishing. Yeah. Uh, the grandkids deer hunt. And so when a dog barks outside, your ear always perks up. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I live kind of in the woods and neighborhood, yeah. and I know somebody's got a little dog that goes out and trees squirrels because I can hear them treed. Yeah, and it always perks you up when you hear something like that. Well, if I followed you correctly on Facebook and all, not it hasn't been that long. You've got quite a, a beautiful rustic home now, don't you? I live in a two-story uh, log home. Yeah, uh, and got a guest house and shop, and it's all wooded. And yeah. neighbors are far enough away. And got a front porch with rocking chairs and swings. There you go. And we just enjoy it. Uh, I cook for all the kids, and 
you know. Yeah. Well, that's basically what Ella and I've done. We're in Florida in a retirement community, and these, and and that will wean you from <laughs> right. all, because of the covenants and all with the homeowners right. and all. I can't build a kennel out in my backyard and those sort of things. So you had to kind of either move the dogs inside or don't have them. And I cho- chose the latter right. because it's not good. Uh, you know, well, the dogs love it, but it's not. It's not a good arrangement, and I've got uh, I own two dogs now. Well, Ella owns the house dog, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I I own two. I've got a plot and a walker. I own half of each one of those right. dogs. My partners own as much of them as I do. Right, you know, but they're young. They're still hunting. They're involved, you know, and it lets me keep my hand in a little bit, right. you know. But by all practical purposes, you know, this podcast and what writing that I do is is my connection to the sport anymore. I just but I love it. You know, I went two weeks ago I went out with some of the local guys. We went out to a wildlife management area and there's some trails that are pretty decent. Um you know, let's face it, at 77 years old, the legs are not what they used to be. The That's knees right. are not what they used to be. Right. You know, uh, if at the time my grandson would have been old enough to drive and we could have continued hunting even two uh-huh. nights a week, that I would have probably stayed in it because yeah. I could still get around. And I mean, I can still get around good. Yeah. But most of our hunting is in big swamps and you never yeah. know. Uh, I mean... Yeah, we have a few gators, but yeah. it's mostly the snakes and mostly yeah. the of getting in trouble if you slip and break a leg or something oh, yeah. if you're by yourself. And at the time he was so young, I, I'd always tell him, Colston, here's where the keys to the truck are. Mm-hmm. And we taught him he knew how to drive. You know, yeah. If something happens to Grandpa, you get on the phone if you can't get anybody. You and I, he knew how to get back to the truck. He knew how to use the Garmin. You go back, you get the truck, and you go the the nearest place you can get help and get help. Yeah. But I thought, I don't want to leave that little boy in no, that situation. That, that's putting a lot on him, right. you know. And and so I just said the best thing is for us to do this and, and yeah. channel our energy into other things. Right. They're all involved in sports and, like I said, deer hunting and fishing. So, you know, that's fine. Yeah. Well, I, I know that my listeners are probably thinking, boy, Steve, you're kind of on a negative bent here with these <laughs> last two or three podcasts. We did two tribute podcasts to fellow hunters. One, of course, Mr. Wimp, uh, Aaron, just good, recently. Good friend of mine. Been yeah, I'm sure. Many times. I'm sure he was. Yeah. And the last time I spoke to Mr. Aaron personally was right here in this arena, right, right over to our right here, and and spent a good while with him, you know. And I, but what I was going to say is, you know, it seems like well, I'm on a negative bent here, but it's the cycle of things. And just like my friend in, in Virginia, Keston has a young a son that just turned five and the boy wants to go with him every night. Well, Keston lives in a mountainous area right now and he hunts a dog that is not afraid of the dark. I mean, he, he goes and I said, Keston, when you take your son with you, you know, you can, 
that's too much pressure on him if daddy something happens to daddy right you know so i don't want to be negative here but i just want the guys to think about that when you take your small children and so forth especially now i lived for so many years in michigan And I was never out of the sight of a, a yard light in some farmer's yard, right. uh, a, a mercury vapor light or something that I could, you know. And the woods were relatively flat, a lot of uh, crop fields and that sort of thing. That's a whole different ball game than hunting right. in the south. Hunting in the swamps and thickets and clear cuts at times right. and all that. I mean, it, it's just a total different world. But but to go back to what you're saying, to take away from the negative, once you've done it like we have, those memories are with you forever. Oh, yeah. And you can be sitting there thinking about taking a nap, and you'll think about a hunt you went on, and you'll mm -hmm. recall all the people and what happened and everything. And... Mm -hmm. You know, my friends from Illinois, Ronnie and, and now Bud you were originally from Illinois, right? I was originally from Mississippi. Oh, okay. Uh, and my dad moved up there in 1953 and went to work at Caterpillar. I, so I spent my growing up years in Illinois. Okay, and that's where I started coon hunting. Well, that was where the the connection I had right. with you. And Ronnie Henderson and Kenny Parr and yeah. Bud Hedigee. And Wilbur Howler would come down. Now, Ronnie Henderson was uh, 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 <laughs> my little Finley River buddy. He won Walker days in like 76 or 77. Always wore a cowboy hat. Always a cowboy hat. And he was John Monroe's buddy. Yep. And That's who I was. <laughs> th they would come down. Well, John Monroe's come to my house and stayed and hunted. Yeah. And Tim Ball's been there. I yeah. mean, I've I've had a lot sure. of people come down and go hunt. But Kenny said they were reminiscing. And Ronnie was talking about all the times they'd come to Mississippi and hunt. And said, Ronnie sat there in a minute. He said, you know, that was the highlight of my life. He said, we just had a ball down there. I was still teaching school. Mm -hmm. I'd hunt to 11 or 12 o'clock, and I'd come in, and I had a barn that had a living quarters in it. They would go ahead and hunt till 2 or 3, whatever they want. They knew all the spots to go. Everybody knew them. Awesome. They'd hunt. Well, I'd get up and go to school. They'd sleep till whenever they wanted to, go to town, get breakfast, be yeah. ready to roll the next day, you know. And yeah. uh, big river bottoms and put them in and. We just had a ball. And so those memories, I mean, I front hunted with Frank Giddings. I'll tell you a funny story about that. We went hunting <laughs> with him one night and about two in the morning. It was snowing and the swamps had done iced over. Kenny and I said, Frank, we've had enough. Yeah. He said, well, I'll take you back to the truck. And he said, I'm going to go ahead and hunt to daylight. Of course he is. <laughs> and we got back to the truck. And when we got to town, we could not find our motel. It was snowing so hard. And now you were up at Frank's, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there was a policeman sitting on a corner in his car, and we pulled up and handed him the key. Said, "Can you take us there?" He took us <laughs> to our motel. How about so, that? I mean, there's stories like that that you can tell yeah. all night long about. Well, if you've ever been hunting with Frank Giddings, and I, some I've got a lot of great memories of hunting with Frank. It's going to be like that. 
You know, if you if when you've had enough, Frank, he's he's got room in the tank. He's gonna go a little more. We went to Georgia and hunted with uh, Leon Jones and the drifting mm. bush hog. Mm, I remember that though. We'd go into a tree and we'd start back, and Kenny'd say, "You're going the wrong way. You got to go this way. This is the truck." And he said, "No." He said, "Down here, you don't." Rewalk the path you come in on because the snakes will be waiting for you. you go back a different way. <laughs> we didn't know. Uh, the so snakes will be waiting. Uh, uh. We, we left one spring break I had from school, and we drove 3,500 miles and hunted every night. And it was really funny. Uh, we ate catfish, five of those. Everybody <laughs> wanted to feed us catfish. <laughs> Uh, we went to Johnny's. We went to uh, oh yeah, around um, Princeton, Indiana. We went to Morris Hertz. We went oh, to Leon yeah. Jones. Ball and banjo. Yeah. That yeah. was my cousin. Oh yeah, yeah. And we yeah. went out there and hunted with him. And yeah. we went to Georgia and we came back and uh, hunted with W.W. Uh, w. Moore in Alabama. Yeah, and That's I mean we just we just made back. a trip yeah. and, and hunted with just we just planned it out. And, that's great. That's so, great. I mean, those will be with you the rest of your life. Sure. And of course, you. Back then, we all took pictures, and you know. Well, people ask me, you know, about these, and they're not doing it in a negative way, but say, "Man, you got a lot of stories." Well, they're memories. That's what you, you That's know. Right. Those memories. Everyone is just a story, mm -hmm. and I'm. It does. Uh, it does me good to hear the younger hunters say, I like the stories. I like to hear the stories right. about, about the old days. But when you get older, that's what you have left is your memories. And that's I right. would encourage anybody that's listening to this to get out like the, the way you did and make as many memories as possible. I'm thankful for my wife. She encourages me to get out. You know, we live in Florida. So, you know, it's either a plane ride or a long drive right. wherever I go. And uh, she encourages me, she said, you need to be out there with your friends. Have a good time. Yeah. Yeah. And she knows when I come back, I'm refreshed. Right. You know, and. and uh, Let me tell you a John Wick story. <laughs> All right. We started going down hunting with John. We were there like the week after the first pair of Don't Wick. Wick Lucky cards were made that Linda made. Oh, so, really? so we were hunting that whole time. And uh, he was another one. When you got tired of hunting, you'd go back and he'd go ahead and hunt till daylight. Oh, yeah. And uh, so anyway, uh, we were down there and, and we were hunting Moonlight Major, the black and tan yeah. he had. And uh, you could see a big storm coming. And uh, we kept saying, well, we're going to get wet. And so that night, uh, John had told us that he his book was, you know, in progress, was just about finished. Yeah. So I said, John, uh, I want the first copy of the book, and I want you to sign it. He said, okay. I said, do you know how much you're going to charge? He said, no. I said, well, here's $20. I want the first copy. So he said, okay. And that storm came in real quick. And a bolt of lightning came down. We were trying to get back to the truck and hit right in front of us. Ooh. And John looked around. I mean, it was close enough. It was scary. He said, are we still alive? We said, yeah. 
So he went to the truck. So when his book came out, I got my first copy in the, uh, the mail, and it was signed to Jerry John Wick, uh, somebody that I'll even go hunting in a lightning storm with again. <laughs> and uh, so I've got that, that book. And, and That's great. So I don't That's know if great. it's number one or not. Only John knows that, yeah, you know, yeah. but well, I've got it. Yeah, that's I get that question a lot from people about why don't you have John on your podcast? Well, nobody would be more uh, happy about that than me. But John, unfortunately, his health is not good. Right. And uh, I, you know, I talk to Mark Zepp quite often about right. John because he and Mark are, have been very close right. through the years. Of course, Mark worked for him for many years first time i ever saw mark was at uh, redbone days in sedalia missouri and he was he had come out there to interview with john for the job with wick outdoor works you know and we were fortunate to go to uh to montgomery city there at john's store and all for a world hunt when I was in UKC, Walker, first year, a female won it. it was Crowley's Louise won that hunt there at John's. Was that in 86? Oh, I can't. Because I don't know, 86. No, it would have been a little later than that because I, I can give you the sequence. I started in 83, and they'd already uh, uh, planned the world hunt for Mayfield, Kentucky. And it was held that year, and uh, that's the year that the dog that John Wick co-owned, uh, the, the Bogart boy owned, uh, I can't remember what Indian that. Creek Pride. Pride, yeah. And then the next year, 84, is when Hillbilly Mac won it in Princeton, Indiana. And then 85 was Columbia City when Brian Ruckman won it with Beaver Lake Magic. And then 86 was Pac-Man and Marion and 87 was in Logansport. We didn't have a winner that year. They didn't have any plus points. And then in 88, lo and behold, the plot dog won it in uh, Mount Gilead, Ohio. And I won't go on that. That's, I'm going to run out right here. But, well, but anyway, yeah, that's, uh, but Crowley's Louise would have been, when would she have been? Sometime in the 90s. Well, whenever it was in Montgomery City, I I, yeah. I made it to the finals and got in. Oh, I you was did. there. Cool. And, uh, yeah. There was a dog called Bombax Pulpwood that was mm -hmm. in up there. And I hunted with him. He was a nice walker dog. Mm -hmm. Jim Bombax from Michigan yep. had yeah. him. He was a, a flagbred dog, I believe. Uh, Kenny and Ronnie were judging. Okay. And they had a room. And uh, I just assumed that I would stay with them. And uh, so when we walked into business there at John's, uh, I said, John, I don't know where I'm going to stay. He said, I've got your room. Threw me a key. He said, on me. And and so oh, he, he, he got my room. He said, I'm pulling for you to win the whole thing. Of course, I didn't, but, yeah. you know, I tried. So. Well, Jerry, I wanted to talk to you about your dogs a little bit. What, okay. are, what have been some of the good ones you've had down through the years? You always been a walker dog man? No, uh, my dad hunted English, and I, mm -hmm. I started English, and I, I, I hunted some English. Well, I kind of sort of associated you with the English and, back there. Uh, then I soon switched to walkers, and uh, probably the best dog I ever had was uh, a dog called Midnight Miss Curly. 
And she was okay. the one I hunted in the world hunt. Okay. And uh, she was out of Hillbilly Mac. And yeah. we went and hunted with Raby. And after the show she put on, Raby said she can eat my feet anytime. Yeah. But uh, she was probably the best. And then um, I don't know if everybody gets the connection. Um, I had a dog called Buster, uh, Midnight Stylish Buster. Okay. And uh, he ended up being a Grand Night champion. And um, Buster was out of silk, which I brought from Illinois down to Louisville to Buck Walters. And Silk was bred to Stylish Harry. Okay. Uh, Tim Ball came down, stayed at my house. We went hunting, and Buck liked him, and so we took her out and bred her. Out of those dogs come the dogs, the females that were bred to Rat Attack that produced Bad Habit, Tequila Sunrise, and all those dogs. So mm -hmm. Buster was a, a, a brother to the sisters that were bred to Rat Attack. So... Yeah. Yeah. So that's how that whole line got started. Uh, the dog came, uh, the silk dog came from Illinois, and she was out of uh, a Tennessee lead two female that we right. we uh, bred a litter uh, from Billy Ledbetter. Billy, yeah. And uh, so uh, anyway, that was probably two of my best dogs. Uh, I've had a lot of good ones, you know. The deader, the better, mm -hmm. you know. Oh, yeah. I had a dog that came from out in Texas, Decatur, Texas, Ken Jones, a dog called Happy. Okay. And she probably had the biggest mouth of any female I ever hunted with, and I loved it. And she won a lot of hunts. Um, yeah. So, you know, uh, I stayed with basically the Walker dogs. I raised a lot of puppies. Um, all right. Okay. This question comes up a lot in, in discussions and all, and. Uh, I, I know it's a matter of perspective and personal experience and all, but you mentioned a lot of dogs there. You talk about Tennessee lead or lead to Billy Ledbetter, those guys. Those are back in the days when ACHA was the big dog as far as the world hunts and all right. that sort of thing. And, you know, we get back in that era and we talk about a lot of dogs back there, houses, Chief, Johnson's banjo, banjo too. Uh, you know, uh, do you think the dogs back there, how did the dogs back in that era compare to the dogs today, do you think? Do you ever thought about it? But they were more of a pleasure to hunt. Yeah. You could go and listen to them strike a track, run a track, and tree a coon. Uh, you could compare your dog to somebody else's dog because usually if whatever dog struck, the others went to them. They all ran the track. You yeah. could have a first tree, second tree, third tree, fourth tree, trees closed. Um, nowadays, Jerry Sullivan's personal opinion, all the dogs are hot nose. Yeah. They go to they find a coon they can tree, and that's why they're accurate. Yeah. So you don't hear a race. They're never on the same tree. I've been watching YouTube, the videos, and, and yeah. so on. They're never on the same tree. They're tree dogs. They're good tree dogs, and they, they have coons. At least they show they have coons. Yeah. But I can remember standing with Billy on the edge of a frosted over swamp and listening to Lee 2 take a track through that swamp and tree it on the other side. 
And yeah. that's the thrill. That's the pleasure. Oh, of yeah. Um, well, you know, and and for us guys our age, we would love for the younger hunters to get that, you know, because it was awesome. It still is to me. It's still uh, why I go coon hunting. Uh, and then you get into the discussion about handlers. I mean, handlers were handlers back in that day. Today, my, you know, my dog's in there a quarter, uh, three quarters of a mile to a mile to the east. The other dogs are at the other three points of the compass. I hear mine come on a tree. I ask the judge, you got me, judge, in there? If he says, yeah, I got you. Well, I've, I can sit there and I don't smoke, but I can smoke a cigarette before I decide whether I want to tree the dog or not, mm -hmm. you know. And, and, of course, the dogs, as you said, they're accurate. They're very accurate. Uh, because in most cases they saw that climb. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. They run to they find one, and they, you know, you know. And that's just you know a lot of the young guys. Ah, not. But, but that's facts. That's that right. is factual. And the old dogs, as we said in the ads, he takes his tracks as he comes to them. Well, that just meant if it was hot or if it was cold, he was going to tree that coon. You know, he wasn't going to commit himself that was the thing with me with dogs and my friends and and all down through the years of this sport you know if a dog's going to commit himself to striking track he needs to be able to finish that track That's right. and if he's going to locate on that tree he needs to, you know and and mm -hmm. and turns that over he better stay right there you know that was just the creed with the coon dog back One of my old friends says, once they commit, they must stay. That's right. <laughs> you know, That's right. If they don't stay, you can't call them. That's you know? right. So. That's right. I'm glancing over my shoulder here at the uh, bench show. I'm. We're not able to see exactly what's going on, but I see they have, have plots in the ring. Uh, and I see red bones here uh, in the staging area. Uh, uh, once again, we're right here in uh, basically center stage in the uh, arena at the Winter Classic while the uh, bench show's going on today, judged by Scarlett Overton. And tonight at 6.30, I'm going to kind of change my clothes and be out there with two other judges judging the top 10, uh, which is something that I'm looking forward to, something I've never done before. But did you ever show dogs, Jerry? Just locally, just to yeah. make them a dual champion. But, I got you. Yeah, yeah. Was that a goal for you to put a grand night on a dog that you had, if you had a good dog, or did it matter? Some, If you didn't have a title, people didn't respect you. Yeah. You needed to have night champion or a grand night champion, and uh, they would respect you. But if you just said, well, I'm hunting an open dog, they didn't – Exactly. They didn't know I what tell this hearing. to my buddy and my partner up in Virginia. We've got a really nice young walker dog right mm -hmm. now. He's two years old. and uh, But Keston is a pleasure hunter. If it gets dark, he's in the woods. But he cares nothing about the night hunts. And I said, Keston, and we are talking the other day, he said, this dog, we call him Clyde. I, he said, uh, you know, I'd like to raise a pup out of Clyde and uh, – 
all this. And I said, yeah, but we're not going to, we don't have a good female and we're not going to get one until we put some titles on That's this correct. dog. Because <laughs> nobody's going to, we can sit and talk about how good he is till we turn blue in the face and nobody's going to buy it. And you got to go to town and document it. Right. <laughs> it's always been that way. And I think it always will be. It will be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jerry, it's been great visiting with you here. Uh, how many times have you been over here to baseball? Have you made them all since it started? Um, I missed last year's the first one I've, yeah. I've missed. Uh, yeah, well, we weren't here last year either. I, I think maybe the uh, – well, there was a COVID year. That was 22. Mm-hmm. And then uh, – uh, then last year, yeah, Nubbin and I, we enjoy – we Nubbin more – travels with me and and we stay out at the lake out here in the cabin and we enjoy building a fire and right. kicking back and tell some more of those old war stories and i i went to the winter classic when it was in georgia yeah and uh, of course i used to always go to the pkc winter classic which was mm-hmm. in Louisville. Louisville. Uh-huh. i've been to orangeburg i've been yeah to most oh, of the yeah. big ones sure yeah well as long as i'm able to make the trip, I guess I'll continue to go because I bump into guys like you, you know, that I enjoy talking to. Well, that's the reason I came up, just to visit with people. And sure. Absolutely. So. Well, I'm going to cut cut you loose here and let you get out. Don't spend too much money. Okay. Take, taking a puppy home or anything, you think? No, no, no. <laughs> I told somebody yesterday I have a whole lot money, more money since I quit. Oh, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's not cheap, but any hobby is that's right. It's expensive, but great to see you as always, Enjoyed Jerry. It. Good yeah. to see you. Yeah, I hope we'll we'll do it again next year. All right, sounds good. Thank right. you. Thank you. That's Jerry Morrison from Scott- Jerry Sullivan. Sullivan. Why do I, I I do that? Boy, I well, thanks for correcting me, Jerry, okay. because uh, I I do that quite often. That's uh, senior I've, moments. I've got a I've got a little woman at home that corrects me quite often. <laughs> All right. Have a good afternoon. All right. Thank you. Once again, we're here in the main arena at the UKC Winter Classic in the city of Batesville, Mississippi. This is day one, Friday. We've uh, already witnessed the uh, showing of the registered dogs, the best male and female show, as well as the pairs competition. And uh, things are going to be heading toward the uh, the big event today, which will be the top 10 show for all the dogs that place throughout the year uh, by breed. There's seven breeds. Uh, there are 70 dogs that were eligible for the show. Not sure how many will be involved, but that's going to start at 6.30 this evening. Now, I don't know if that's going to be live streamed or not, but I'm sure the information will be online. And, of course, uh, as I've said to my listeners before, I've uh, been uh, honored to be able to assist uh, in the judging panel tonight for that show. So I'm looking forward to that. But one of the highlights of any big event like the Winter Classic is getting to meet folks that I've known through the podcast or online and haven't uh, had the opportunity to meet them face to face. And and uh, the next fella here that I'm going to bring to the microphone is just uh, just that guy. I have Marty Burleson 
from uh, the city of Burleson, Tennessee, and Marty is a, a regular listener to the Gone to the Dogs podcast and uh, actually uh, participates in our Wheel of Name Spins uh, on a weekly basis. So it's really good to be able to meet Marty face-to-face. How you doing, Marty? I'm doing fine, Steve. Good, good. Well, uh, are you having a good time here? Oh, it's a great time. A nice yeah. crowd. Yeah, it is a nice crowd today. Do you usually come to the Grand? Uh, I always want. I'm wanting to say Grand American. We were just over there in in January in South Carolina, but to the Winter Classic, do you come regularly? I've been or? three or four times oh, in the uh, last few years. Okay, well, good deal. Good. Now, I don't want to embarrass you by asking you how old you are. I know you're a lot younger than I am. Uh, are you retired or are you still working? Well, actually, Steve, I'm retiring this year from a, a farming operation. I've been oh, farming okay. uh, around 40 years, and I'm 65 wow. years old. So well, uh, this is, I will not be putting a crop in this year. This will be the first year you won't be planting a crop. Yes, sir. Wow, that that's a landmark in your life, I'm sure. It is, it is. I'm looking forward to it and spending more time in, in the woods. Oh, I bet you, I bet you. Family of farmers, did you grow up as in a farm family? Well, I or? grew up in a farm family. Actually, my dad uh, had a cattle farm, was okay. a, a cattle man. But I, when I graduated high school, I started my, my operation on my own, a row crop farm, and I, that's how I started. And uh, my uh, grandparents, my grandfather had uh, some land, and I farmed some of his land and family land and whatnot. But that's uh, awesome. kind of started off on my own. Yeah, that's, that's right. Well, we hear so much. We all know without the American farmer, we'd all be starving. But uh, what uh, I imagine you've seen a lot of changes in that in that uh, profession over the years. I, I've seen a lot of changes, uh, Steve, from, uh, you know, small tractors to uh, 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 tractors that would uh, auto, auto steer, you know, yeah. that would drive theirself and uh <laughs> Technology's yeah. taken over. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I look back to my UKC days back in, I started there in 83, and we didn't have, well, we had a mainframe computer in the, in the house that the papers were beginning to be processed by computer and so forth. And then we got into PCs or personal computers. And I remember when Fred Miller, who was the owner of UKC at the time, said, you're going to have to go down. He told us on the senior staff, said you're going to have to go down to local college, Kalamazoo College, and take a course in uh, uh, personal, uh, uh, what was it called, uh, introduction to uh, to computers, you know. And I, I didn't know how to turn one on, you know, but times have flown by. And, I, you know, I've tried to keep in touch you know these podcasts and things, but I don't get into the to the sticky stuff. You know, I just run my mouth and hit the bright button, and it records, and, and somebody else worries about all that. But we see a lot of changes in life, that's for sure. But you're a young man. I mean, sixty five now. Yes, sir. Oh, that's great. Well, yeah, that's the time I retired at, at uh, uh, just shy of sixty five myself. It's been uh, hard for me to believe I retired in 2011. That time gets by too quick. Well, tell me about your family a little bit. You have children. I have right? a, uh, two daughters and one son, and okay. I have uh, six grandsons, and I have a step-grandson and a step-granddaughter. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I, my that, wife. Uh, yeah. 
I met yeah. your lovely wife right. here just a minute ago. She she told me she's a teaser. She likes to carry on, you know. And oh, she does. A, she, she's a delightful lady. Well, what uh, what got you in the coon hunting game? Uh, well, uh, as we were talking earlier, my granddad, uh, grandfather, he was a coon hunter. And I was about probably no older than six. He carried me on my first coon hunt. And, uh, you know, I just... It wasn't long until my dad went and bought me a hunting coat. You know, I had to have a back game bag on it. You know, I was small and whatnot. And uh, I just started going with him. And, uh, you know, it, it just evolved from there. You know, I, I have never really been a competition hunter. I've always been just a pleasure hunter. But I always yeah. keep up with all the competition hunts yeah. and the dogs. and Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you've been a part of the sport for all those years, and right. there's a lot of people like you out there, you know, that never. My father was a prime example of that. He never cared for competition hunting at all. Well, actually, you know, he got the bear hunting bug, uh, but he was always a coon hunter. He grew up there in Tennessee with cur dogs mm -hmm. hunting. They didn't have many coons. They had possums, skunk, whatever they could catch and sell the fur, you know, a couple of him and his brother, but... But he was always, he always took the magazines. And that's how I got interested in it, you right. know. Well, going with him. But then I wanted to go to the next level. I wanted to be at the hunts. I wanted to be at the shows and all, you know. So I caught that bug pretty early, you know, just, just out of that. But, well, um, how did you find out about the Gone to the Dogs podcast? Uh, well, uh I was listening listening to some podcasts, and I, I, to be honest with you, I just ran up on it searching. Yeah. And, uh, okay. you know, I always saw you in the uh, Cooner magazine mm -hmm. and uh, mm -hmm. writing for them. And, and yeah. the Coonheim uh, Bloodline also, you wrote for them, right. I, I believe. Correct, yeah. And anyway, I just started listening to your podcast and enjoyed them. And uh, it's kind of a game, you know, to listen and uh, try to answer that question on Friday afternoon. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's I mentioned earlier, and uh, some listeners may not be aware, but you know, each week I post a question of the week based on the previous week's podcast. And my wife stays after me. She said, "You got your question up yet?" You know, and I, sometimes I forget, don't get them up early in the week. When I get them up early in the week, I get quite a few participants. If the longer I wait toward the end, you know, it doesn't give people time, but. Uh, you know, it, it's that's twofold. I guess people would say, well, that encourages people to listen to or in order to be able to play. But I think it's more the people that listen anyway and just enjoy being part of that community and, and all. And Plus, you learn a lot. You have a lot of interesting things on there, uh, you know, a lot of uh, topics that you speak about. And it's not only coon hunting. It's, uh, it's other items, you know, like the other day you were mentioning about your heart attack yeah. and things like that. It's yeah. Well, uh, that probably was more of a public service announcement than anything else, but it did happen at a coon hunt. And it got me thinking that, you know, the warning signals I'd seen uh, were when I would be out hunting and stuff and be short of breath and all that. So I'm thinking, you know, and I have over the years as many of coon hound events that I've been associated with, I have known fellows that didn't make it out of the woods, you know, and uh, that thing can can 
creep up on anybody, you know. So I didn't, I had, I had second thoughts about it because I didn't want to scare everybody off. And I didn't want people to say, well, I don't want to hear about that. And you don't want to hear about it, but it is something that we all need to be aware of. And so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad to see guys like you that, you know, appreciate kind of what I'm trying to do with this podcast, Marty. Right. Uh, you know, I learned way back in the first one that we did was when I was Chris Powell and I started this Houndsman XP. And I was green as grass when it came to podcasts. I had not really even listened to any at that point. And uh, then I started listening to them. And it was kind of interesting when we got with the produce or the network that was going to post our podcast. We said, well, what can we expect as far as downloads and people and all? He said, oh, if you get 150 or 200 like that, you'll be doing real good, you know, when you start out. Well, right out the bat, man, we were getting 10 times that many. But, of course, we're, we're in a niche, you know, with the tree dog people. And then Chris, you know, he's kind of wanted to go more toward the big game and diversify more. I've always been a coon hunter. That's been my that's been what I love the most, you know, but it's been amazing when some of these podcasts that we do today will, will, uh, gain about or, or, uh, receive 3000 or more downloads in a week. You know, that's quite a few people listening to a podcast, you know, just in the first week that it's out there. So, uh, uh, when you look at the magazines now, back in the day when you said you like to to read American Cooners and all, they were getting thirty thousand subscribers. But then, more recently, before it you know went away, it was more it was closer to three, three or four thousand. So people are not getting their news so much out of a magazine anymore. But but no, it's been an adventure. I've enjoyed it and. Uh, uh, I guess I could do more planning and probably come up with more interesting topics each week. But I kind of just play it by ear, you know, and I'd say, well, I haven't talked to so-and-so in a while. I'll call him up and see what's going on. I have my old buddy Fred Moran from up in Pennsylvania, the old Red Bull man up there. Fred's pretty amazing. He's 85, I think, and still hunting. And also, it's just been a fun fun deal for me but it's gratifying to me to meet fellows like you that are listening and enjoying it because uh, that's an hour hour and a half of your life you'll never get back so (laughs) have you had any favorite podcasts that you listen to that you particularly liked you think Um, to be honest steve I listen to all of them. I, yeah. you know, it's I, uh-huh. I don't really know if I have a, yeah, a yeah. favorite well, or not. I, I get uh, that, but yeah. I, you know, they're all good to me. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I got one sure. right now uh, that I uh, started watching, uh, listening to the other day uh, again was with John Strickland. Yeah, uh, you know, mm-hmm. that, that was a good one with him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, John's an interesting guy. He's a very is. interesting guy. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and uh, been very successful. And uh, I put the I, I said one time here this last year or so that I thought he was the greatest mind in competition hunting. He's a thinker. 
you watch him on those videos and out there, you know, he knows what's going on at all times in that cast. And so uh, uh, I see that Greg Maynard with the pro sport organization, he's picked up on that, you know, and calling him the goat and all that yeah, stuff, yeah. you know. But, yeah, John is a guy that takes competition hunting very seriously, and it's paid off for him, yeah. you know. It really has. So there's that aspect, you know. There's the competition people on that. They, and I think a lot of the younger hunters, that's where they want to be, you know. Uh, but then there's a lot of the older hunters that like the stories and like the, uh, the memories and and all I've recorded with uh, Jerry Sullivan from here in uh, Mississippi earlier today. <coughs> Excuse me. And Jerry is saying that, uh, telling me about hunting way back with some of the, the dogs, you know. He hunted, well, he hunted quite a few times with John Wick, who is a very well-known personality in Kentucky. And Billy uh, Ledbetter, who owned the Tennessee lead dog and the lead two and those dogs. I'm, I've taught myself horse here, but, uh, you know, there's a wide variety, or I try to keep it. You know. Right. <coughs> well, we're going to try to keep them coming. There's times that I think, well, is anybody really enjoying this, you know? And then I'll get a, an email from somebody or some young fellow say, well, I enjoyed it, really enjoyed the podcast and I listen to it at work or I listen to it when I'm on the lawn tractor or whatever, you know. And right. So, but uh, do you keep any hounds at the house now? I've got a blue tick. A blue tick uh, now. He's, he's five years old and uh, I just have one dog. I've got a grandson that goes with me most of the time. I hunt a lot by myself and I just... He's a uh, Oostman bred, top and bottom. And uh, the, the first dog I ever had was a gray blue dog. Probably could have had papers, but she didn't. And uh, way back in the day, and first dog I ever really had that would uh, treat a coon for me. And I partial the blue ticks, but I've also yeah. I've also had walkers. Okay. But yeah. uh, I I really like either one walkers mm -hmm. or blue t any any kind. But uh, that, you know they'll do the job. And sure. Uh, you know, I want an accurate dog, one that when he, when he, he or she trees, you know, to to yeah, have a, have a have a coon. You that's know. the key uh, right, right there, isn't yes, it? Sir. Mm -hmm. for sure. Well, being a farmer, uh, I'm sure you have access to a lot of land to hunt. Probably is that a problem for you? At uh, actually, all, Steve, around where I live, it's a lot of houses, and we hunt in, on the lower Hatchet Wildlife Refuge. Okay, and uh, that's the creeks that we hunted 30 years ago. Uh, there's houses yeah, built yeah. around subdivisions and whatnot. Tipton County is a growing county, uh, you know, yeah. north of Memphis. Well, and, I imagine. Uh, yeah. That's that's one thing that we have to do. We have to get away from the roads yeah. and, and the houses. Yeah. And we hunt the, the uh, Hatchie River bottom. Uh, is that a wildlife management yes, area? Yes, it is. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's uh, season's open the same as a statewide season. Okay. Uh, we can't hunt in the summertime. Public, you know, can't hunt mm -hmm. on it. And uh, we just... Pretty much shut down in the summer after season closed, closes in March. I remember having a good pleasure hunt one night with a late friend I mentioned to you, uh, Kenneth Raines, who lived in Millington. And uh, Mr. Fred Sanders was a black and tan man. He had lived in Memphis, but then he moved down to, is that New Albany or the, there's a, a 
town in Mississippi, just south of Memphis. I can't remember the name of it. But anyway, I went over and hunted. Kenneth belonged to a hunt club called Lucky Dew. And it was right on the Mississippi River. And we rode four-wheelers and all. We had had a great hunt. Just a pleasure hunt. I think it was probably on my way back from the White River Refuge that one year. And... Uh, but that's pretty country that you got, and you've got a, a, quite a few more coon, I'm saying, western uh, Tennessee than than say like Middle Tennessee or East. We have a, we have a lot of coons, you know, where we live. We have a abundant abundance of coons, and uh, you know, we pretty much strike one pretty easy. And you know, not every night, but most nights, you know, we usually do, do pretty decent tree two or three, you know, and yeah. Uh, yeah, well, that's that's good. I mean, that makes the hunting a lot more fun. I lived in Michigan for many years, you know, and we had a really good coon population mm -hmm. up there. It was it was easier to train young dogs and all. We keep you know keep them on a coon and all. Uh, you mentioned your Uchman blue ticks. Uh, when I went to work for UKC, you know, I met the whole Uchman family. You know the. Uh, Wilbur, I think it uh, was his name, Wilburn or Will. Anyway, the the father, and then there was about four boys, I think Lonnie and uh, Gary, and I ran into Gary one night hunting in the White River Refuge just by accident here a few years ago, and we sat. We must have sat and talked for an hour. The dogs had got treed in kind of deep, and he had a young man with him, and so did we, and we sent those youngins to the tree you know we sat there and talked for a long time I had a great visit with him and uh, boy that's been a coon hunting family it has they, the uh, they put the blue ticks on the map yeah you know yeah every dog you have now mainly just about goes back to an Uchman dog that's right somewhere down the line that's right and i was fortunate too and especially those early days to go to the fall roundups and meet uh, Albert Vaughn and Warren Haslauer and and uh, uh, the gentleman that uh, ran the, uh, he was very active in the association back years ago. And his name's escaped. Um, T. E. Neely and a lot of the people that were T. C. Jones. T. C. Jones from Winona, Mississippi. Uh, it's interesting when we go to White River and we'll be sitting around the lodge just. You know, after the hunter, you know, what we do when a group of hunters get together. And undoubtedly, uh, invariably, the T.C. Jones stories will start coming out. Somebody done it with T.C. and this and that. And he, he was very successful. Cedar Hill, Blue Ticks. I bought a couple of young dogs from him years ago. Yeah. Uh, uh -huh. Yeah, back in the 80s, mid-80s. Well, my experience with blue ticks was on a different side of the country, but I was a Kelly Bragg oh, I see. guy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, not me personally, but Kelly lived about 20 miles from me, and he was a real interesting guy. He had the, His dogs went back to uh, uh, the guy in West Virginia. I can't think of his name right now. It'll come back to me. But uh, Kelly was a circus performer. He was a trapeze artist, <laughs> and he worked in the in the circuits all summer, and then he'd come home all winter and coon hunt. And his, his dad's name was Lon Bragg, and all the stories in the old cooners that he used to write. 
And there's one I always think about when we talk about dogs staying treed for a long time. Kelly wrote, now he wrote this, I don't witness it, that his dog stayed treed for three days one time. <laughs> that they, he finally found them and they had a ditch wore down from the tree down to the creek where they was going down and get a drink of water coming back to the tree. That's a solid tree dog. That's a solid tree dog right there, buddy. Three days, that's a little much. Eh? It is, it really is. <laughs> well, what do you like about a blue dog? I just like, you know, their mouth. Uh, I like a good mm -hmm. loud mouth. And yeah. uh, the dogs that I've had the blue dogs that I've had, you know, they don't straddle a track. They they move a track yeah. to it. And, yeah. and when they hit that tree, you know, they just roll it over. Oh, they sound and great. They, I, I like uh, them, you I know. I just too. like the way they sound on the tree. They got, yeah. they loud, you know. Yeah. Well, if you're a purist, and I believe you are, uh, not being particularly a, con a competition hunter, those are the things that mean maybe more to us than they do the competition hunter. The guy that competition hunts hard he just wants a dog eating here he doesn't really care if it sounds like a coyote or if it's a german shepherd or whatever if it'll stay there and it'll bark and he can make the judge hear it he's fine with it and that's all right if right. that's what he likes but i'm more of a classical you know i like that good ball mouth on the track especially yeah. on a colder track and warm it up shorten it up get it moving and a good locate, a good solid tree dog. I mean, those are all the elements to me that makes a coon dog. Yeah, me know? too. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's cool. That's really cool. Well, did you just come down for today? Today? Yes, sir. Uh, yeah. We just drove down this morning and yeah. uh, just hanging out, just walking yeah. around. You know, the, a lot of vendors here. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. And I've got to pick a cone squaller up on the way out. Uh, oh, yeah. You haven't won that Zep lifetime squaller I haven't won yet. it yet. I'm working on it. But. <laughs> well, I'm going to have to get you guys have been hitting me pretty hard. I'm going to have to get back with Zep and get a new supply. I think we're getting pretty low on them. But uh, Mark Zep has been a good friend for a number of years. And, and our listeners know probably Mark when he was with Wick Outdoor Works years ago. And then he went to Tritronics and from there to, to Garmin and still works for Garmin. But he has a, his own line of hunting. Mm. He's quite an accomplished coyote uh, hunter and made a lot of good videos on coyote hunting and all. But just been a really good friend. One of the people you meet in life, you know, you just kind of really appreciate him. So he's been very, very generous in stepping up and saying, you know, he wants to help the podcast. And so we'll keep the spins going, and we post the question of the week. And if you get in there and you can correctly answer the question based on the podcast and private message it to me, you have to send it by private message. If you post it on the Facebook there for everybody to see your answer, we have to disqualify it. So. But anyway, I hope to keep those going, Marty. And uh, you're a lucky man. You got a grandson that wants to hunt with you. He loves to deer hunt. He he's, oh. uh, he's a deer hunter, but he's uh, he loves to duck hunt, which we do duck hunt. Oh. I duck hunt some, uh, not good. as much as I used to. I used to uh, hunt every day and uh, oh. in the winter. And uh, but anyway, he's a duck hunter, deer hunter, and a coon hunter. Yeah. So. Well, you're lucky. You're on that Mississippi flyway through there, yeah. you know, and you get those ducks. And of course, when we go to White River, there's a lot of duck hunters around. Oh, yeah. and we kind of squeeze in the 
window between the seasons there. In fact, that's kind of why we get the lodge that we have, because it's a duck hunting lodge, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, it's kind of in between the early and later seasons and all. But I'll never forget as a kid, my dad was working uh, at uh, Charleston, well, on the Kentucky side of the Mississippi, right at the mouth of the Ohio River. We lived in Charleston, Missouri. And coming from West Virginia, I'd never seen anything like that and see those ducks and geese out there over those fields and stuff in the late afternoon. And the sky would just be black with them, you know. And I still, when I go to White River, it's mostly snow geese and speckleberry bellies and stuff. But I still, when I hear them, I got to look up, you know, it's, it's interesting. Well, Marty Burleson from Burleson, Tennessee, has been our guest here at the Winter Classic. I sure appreciate you stopping by, Marty. Thank you, Steve. I enjoyed it every minute of it. Well, good. We'll do it again sometime, Yes, sir. Brother. Thank you. All right. Well, we're in a lull in the action here a little bit at the Winter Classic. The show arena is quiet now. They... Uh, the Friday show is in the books. Uh, as far as the registered dogs, the dogs without titles, and the pairs competition, uh, all judged by Charlotte Overton today, had a real good crowd here for the show. And, of course, uh, it was pretty noisy as I've recorded some of the other people that stopped by the booth. But uh, I'm really uh, glad to see this guy because I've known him for quite a long time. Uh, through our mutual friend, Lee Currens from South Carolina. And uh, Lee and I have been running together for uh, many years back in the PKC and AKC days with the dog shows and and all. But uh, this guy here is, uh, he and Lee uh, go back a long time as well. Tommy Lanning from South Carolina. How you doing, Tom? I'm good, Steve. How about you? Good, good. What town are you in over there? Belton, South Carolina. Belton. Yes, okay. sir. Is that up around Greenville area? Yeah, it's uh, in between Greenville and uh, Anderson. Okay. It's kind of yeah. in between Greenville and Anderson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Years ago, I don't know if you were into coon dogs back then, probably not. They used to have a world champion water race at Anderson south carolina did you ever hear that no sir i did yeah. not there was a guy named jim mathis people will remember him he had a dog called carolina casey i know that, that name yeah i know the dog name won the hcha world hunt mm-hmm. a couple of times yep. and i think he was one of the guys that was in with the grand american association and all that but i remember they had, used to have a world champion water race that's just another mm. thing from the archives yeah folks i don't know where these wow. things come back but that's going back a long time i wonder what club you, you got any idea what club i or? don't i really don't remember hmm. i don't even know if there's a club there anymore or not there's a, we still have a club in anderson oh okay yes, well sir. it probably was that club yeah, well there's there's a big lake um i think it's broadway lake maybe mm-hmm. that kind of backs up into yeah. the clubhouse down there. So I they could have you. been out of that clubhouse. Yeah. That's, a, that's yeah. I will ask, I will ask some folks. Do in that, and we'll do some research on that. And I see will. If it, but, uh, well, your coon hunting experience, I guess, started with Lee Kearns, did it not? Or were you into it before then? I, I'd probably been into it uh, maybe six or eight months. Um, maybe a year. I don't know, maybe a year or so before I met Lee. Mm-hmm. Um, Actually, my sister was dating a gentleman from Williamston, and or a young man from Williamston at the time, and uh, Lee lived in Williamston. 
Yeah. And uh, now that's just outside of Greenville. Outside of Greenville, Belton, kind of where I live now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, I just happened to the guy that she was dating, uh, his dad owned a uh, gas station there in town. Mm -hmm. And I happened to be there with her one day, and I was standing outside with David Holland, as as the gentleman I'm referring to, and uh, there was some dogs barking. And somebody said, David, is that your beagles over there barking? And he said, no. He said, he said I, I don't have beagles. I've got coon hounds. And I'd always wanted to go coon hunting. Mm. Um, and probably from the red fern grows. Probably from where the, probably from where the red fern, you know, grows. Mm-hmm. And um, he, when he said that, it kind of, kind of perked up. And, you know, I said, you got coon hounds? He goes, yes, sir. And I said, man, I'd love to go hunting with you one night. So it kind of started from there, and uh, I hunted with David Holland for a little while, and I hunted with a guy named Larry Moore. Do you know? Do you know Larry? Yeah, at all? he was a plot guy, wasn't he? No, he no? was. He had Walker dogs, but he oh, later okay. in life. Later I'm in life, thinking of a guy in North Carolina. I yeah. believe of that. Name. Larry was okay. from the Piedmont, Williamston, Belton area. Okay, all okay. from that area. Yeah, and um, I hunted with Larry for several years, and then kind of, I guess, me and Lee. I don't even really remember where me and Lee kind of teamed up together but yeah. um i've been hunting with lee since i was 12 maybe 11 12 years old okay so and i'm yeah. I'm 50 this year so he's, oh, uh, yeah he you know we we've yeah. we've done a lot together for many years for sure. <laughs> what a great guy he is and yes, uh i i can't i've mentioned on this podcast before uh one of the most giving guys one of the guys that i just well you know we talk about our friends and we have friends i've been blessed with a lot of friends but there's kind of an inner circle that we have of people that we hold closer you know than others Uh, just because we seem to just have a bond together Mm -hmm. and lee's been that kind of guy with me he and i've always we share a lot of phone calls together not near as many as we should or, yes. or i should uh but i i've always uh loved and respected lee kearns he's just been uh, a top top-notch guy and it's great for me to see here i was watching the bench show a bit of it here earlier today and he's still out there showing his dogs and yep. lee's past 80 now yeah i don't think he'd mind us saying that <laughs> and uh he he won the Walker Mail part, and he was in the final cut for the best male show with the new dog that he's got. So, yep. you know, he he uh, Lee and well, I want to talk about you, Tommy. But Lee and I've had this conversation so many times. He always kind of took offense at the fact that people thought he was just a show dog man. Oh yeah, you know. Yeah. But Lee in his day, when he was physically capable, he was quite a coon hunter, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, and that's one of the things that. I kind of, I guess, took away from him over the years. I, I mean, I, I kind of took the same philosophy he always took. I just, I wasn't gonna hunt no ugly dog, you know. If I'm gonna go down to my dog kennel and feed a dog, I want to be able to look at it. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to feed oh, no yeah, ugly dog. Yeah, that's fat. We used to have an old saying: you don't want to have to back up with the with feed pan, right? <laughs> that's it. A, a, a good-looking dog and trick coon just like an ugly one. <laughs> you know that's true, and and I'm like that too. I've had. I had a dog that I won, uh, my dad and I together won plot days opposite sex one year. That was for the high scoring male. Mm-hmm. A little female, Heath Heights won the female part or the overall part. Wrangler, he was a great dog. I loved that dog. He's a coon dog, but he had bad front feet and that always 
bugged the heck out of me, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. And then later on, the cruise dog that I had that I was hunting a while and was really enjoying him, and he was doing good, but he he would never make it on the bench, mm -hmm. you know. So yeah. uh, I was talking to Hope Fields. She and Ronnie Fields up in Virginia have cruise now, and she said, boy, I'd like to show cruise fit one of those little the little old front feet he's got. Yeah, that's the long pine puppy. Yeah, 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 that okay. was one. Uh huh. Yeah. And I told, uh, I asked Randy Smith about that one time. I said, I like old Cruz all the way around except those front feet. He said, Well, he's got no show dogs in his pedigree. <laughs> but no, I'd like to, I love to see these good looking dogs with good feet and yeah. good legs. Yeah. I remember being a kid, um, probably before I started really running the roads with Lee much. But um, I had a black and tan. He could water ski. He, yeah. I mean, his his feet were as flat as they could be, Steve. But I tell you one thing, he would show. I mean, oh, he'd I, he, get up on them. Well, huh? no, he wouldn't get up on them, but he'd show. Oh, he'd show. He'd, yeah, he'd show. He just didn't have no feet. Yeah, you know, he he would stand and he would do everything he had to do. But he just blessed him. And I didn't know no better. Yeah. I went all over the place showing that dog. People, people, <laughs> when they start out, they don't know, you no. know. And yeah, I can remember seeing that. I can remember seeing those kind of dogs on the bench, you know, back when I was judging and and all. And people, uh, there was that v belief or that feeling that if you got him to stack mm -hmm. and he didn't move, then he was a show dog. He was a show know? dog. Yes, sir. <laughs> oh, man, the good times. Well, I, I was pleasantly surprised at... Uh, Grand American to see your daughter, Lauren. I hadn't seen her in quite a long time. Yes, sir. And uh, she's married now, and and I understand you're going to be grandpa here before long. Yes, sir. Come sometime May. Right. Yeah, so, but uh, Lauren got real active in the show bench shows with uh, that little female uh, something Bell. Well, it's a little Southern Bell. Southern Bell. Southern Bell. Yeah. Yeah. So Lauren was. Uh, Nine, ten. I think she showed. We we traveled a good bit from the time she was nine till about thirteen, yeah. till she got into high school, and then she kind of sure decided yeah. she wanted to go. She she come out of retirement a couple of times and yeah. uh, would show up at Walker Days Youth yeah. or somewhere oh, like she that. She was a natural <laughs> at it. She could get the best out so, of them. She was. Yeah. And she had a good dog too. Uh, yeah. It helps. It oh helps. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. But uh, yes, we 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 actually talked about that and she you know she come up at the grand american and saw everybody and she was excited as well yeah so that was good. next year we'll have a little rug rat that's right running that's around behind right. us so. hopefully maybe a little coon hunter there well, coming I, along it's gonna be a little girl so we'll have to oh, see oh it's a girl yeah, i see a little girl. well that's awesome so that, we got to get them moved back home though. They live in Charleston now. Oh, I so, see. Yeah, we is that in the plan? You're working on it? Yeah, they. Um, her husband they own a they own a roofing company, okay. and um, you know, Lauren works for me, so she works remote. But her uh, her husband and a couple of guys own a big roofing company down there. Mm -hmm. They're talking about opening up a Greenville office. Oh, that'd be so good. So if they do that, they'll get back home. That's great. Well, so, no. hope, hopefully sooner than later. Of course, later. yeah, yeah. You want that grandbaby? It's yeah. close. If so. not, I'm gonna be living in Charleston. I got a feeling. <laughs> Well, so. uh, you know, I don't talk a whole lot about my personal life, but Ella and I were both second time around. You know, she raised four daughters and uh, I raised a son. And then we got back together after some 35 years or so. We hadn't seen each other. And uh, we were 
you know, when we did get together, the question came up of where we're going to live. Well, she was living in Florida at the time, and I was in North Carolina, and she loved the cabin and she loved the mountains and all. She was from West Virginia, just like I was. And we talked about that and all, and I said, Ella, you've got grandkids in Florida. You need to be where those grandkids are. Yep. You you need to to experience that. They're growing up and all, and I'll enjoy it too. Mm -hmm. So that was pretty much a no-brainer for me to go where the grandkids. Of course, my son, and then he had his daughter. They're up on the west side of Chicago. I know I'm not going to move to Illinois. No, <laughs> that's not going to happen. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, that that's cool. That is so cool. Uh, well, do you keep any dogs anymore? No, um, I, I've still got two dogs. They're down at a gentleman's house uh, down in Swansea, South Carolina. Mm -hmm. uh, Robbie's got my old dual Grand Radar dog. Um, yeah. He was out of you know Lee's Kentucky River Rowdy Dog, and yeah. uh, he was a semen pup after twenty something years mm -hmm. uh, of Rowdy. Was being that gone. the one that Cleo raised? Or she raised. She raised the litter. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, and I got, I got Radar. I had a, I had a puppy off of that cross. His name was Yeti. And mm -hmm. to be honest with you, Steve, he was probably going to be my lifetime hound. Yeah. Um, we we fought some stuff with him when he was a puppy early on. Um, he he was anemic. He had a little uh -huh. iron. And uh, there was a couple times I took him to the vet, and I was, in, to be honest with you, I was embarrassed to take him to the vet. Mm -hmm. he, I mean, he looked that bad. Wow. And uh, I spent a small fortune on him trying to trying to keep him alive and figure out what was wrong with him. And I mean, he at the time, he was three or four months old. He was still little. Mm -hmm. And... Um, Cleo helped me. We sent the puppy down. Cleo to Bowers. Yeah, Cleo Bowers. Um, she helped me. I, I mean, I called her, Steve, and I said, "Listen, Cleo, I've I've spent all the money I can spend. You know, I'd spent probably two or three thousand mm -hmm. dollars on keeping a three month old puppy alive. Yeah, and and I'd already given a good penny for him, so sure. I had a small fortune in this. Yeah, in this puppy. Yeah, and um, she said, "Send him to Savannah, and uh, I'll send some money down there. When that money runs out, we'll figure out what we're going to do." And I did that. Um, I took I took him down there on a Thursday, and I think I went and picked him up maybe on Monday. And this is no lie. I'd done several blood transfusions, you name oh, it. Oh, man. Yes, I, we, we spent some money. So um, I go back and get him Monday. They gave me a $10 bottle of iron pills and told me he should be fine. And he was. He was. So I started hunting him, and he was... He was a nice hound. Had a, yeah. a mouth. You, you'd hunted with Rowdy and Boomer. Oh, yeah. Sure. He had a mouth as good, if not better, mm -hmm. than both of them. And mm -hmm. um, I went down one day to feed him, and I had a pet raccoon at the time. And he was out on the back porch because I'd let him out, and he'd run around the back of the house, whatever. And when I went down to feed him, he darted out behind me. Yet he did. And he went up to the house, and I saw him go around the back of the house, and I thought he was going to get the coon. Well, he kept on going, went around the house, and went out in the road and got run over. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I'm literally sitting there watching him. Oh, and, um, my goodness. He got run over, and uh, needless to say, I ended up having to put him down in my yeah. yard. And then uh, I got the radar dog. Uh, what's his name? Sylvius Franklin, I think. You know that name? I don't. He's down don't. He's down toward Orangeburg somewhere. Okay. He, had, he had radar, and uh, he had gotten radar through Cleo and them. I don't know how they all got him back down there. And it's funny because uh, I, I went and got Radar, and I hunted him some. And I'm going to be honest with you, I about gave up on him. And uh, it's ironic because we were going to the woods one night, me and my buddy Andrew Gaines. I think you've met Andrew a couple yeah. times with mm -hmm. me. And 
I told Andrew going to going to Clemson to the uh, game management hunting land over there. I said, Andrew, if this dog don't do something tonight, he's gone. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm just I'm not wasting no more time or effort on him. He's gone. Stevie split tree from the other dogs, some good dogs that night, and he never looked back. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know that's kind of ironic, but but I've heard that story several times over the years, and it was with Lee Logan up in Pennsylvania mm-hmm. with the cloverbred dogs and all that talked about a female that he had, and that was her last ride. She was going to the train station. <laughs> that's what you know? I told him. He must have heard me. <laughs> he right. said, "He said I got a pretty good home here. I better figure this out." <laughs> that's right. And she flipped the switch and went right on. You yeah. know, that's crazy. So I took. Um, Took Radar on and made him a, a dual grand. Um, he was the only dog out of that litter that I don't know if really got promoted much or hunted mm-hmm. much, but um, he was the only pup out of the litter to make a dual grand. I placed him fifth at the Grand American. He was a uh, that's, only that's dog in the salty. cast of tree, yeah. two coons, and we had a it was a Grand Night cast, high powered cast. Yeah. He was the only dog to tree coons. Uh, oh yeah. So mm. I won my cast a couple times at Autumn Oaks, and both times he was the only dog to tree coons at mm. Autumn Oaks. Mm. So he he was a nice hound. I, he's probably my second lifetime hound. I would say Yeti was probably going to be my first, but I never got the opportunity to fully enjoy yeah. what he yeah. had coming. Yeah. Well, these dogs can be heartbreakers, that's for sure. You yeah. know, they don't live at the best we can do. They don't live very long yeah. uh, in comparison to ourselves. And, well, yeah. and the problem with this sport, if you want to be competitive, you, you got to keep moving. I mean, once a yeah. dog gets six, seven, eight years old, you got to have one in the pipeline. Oh, you do. If you even sure. at the even in the show arena, you yeah. know, if you want to be competitive, you got to keep them in the pipeline. Yeah, and you can be out of business so quickly in this yes. sport, just like you say, freak things like that. You know, yeah, you know, these dogs put themselves; they have no regard for their own safety. Mm-mm. You know, and. Uh, that's why we got to be smart about where we turn. But who would have thunk it, as we say, right there at home like yep. that, you know? Yeah. Well, we live on a pretty good-sized track of land. And my yard, I mean, my house is that's three or 400 yards off the road, you know, three or 400 feet off the road. And uh, he just, I watched him. He just looped around, and I saw the cars coming. And, mm-hmm. and I, I, you know, so not yeah, a good, that, not a good that's, that's a heartbreaker. Well, you, you mentioned something earlier, and I don't think – our buddy would mind us talking about this, but you talked about basically the reason you're here at the, at the Winter Classic because you brought Lee out. Yes, sir. Uh, Lee is uh, now, I think, 82? Four. Four. He's 85 80? this year. Okay. All yes, right. And so you used to hunt with him when you were a kid, and mm-hmm. he took you around. Yes, sir. Um, and now things have gone full circle, and you're – returning the favor so yes sir to um that's what I, I mentioned to you earlier lee i guess when i couldn't drive he hauled me around everywhere now that he can't drive i guess i'll return the favor he can still drive it just i think at nighttime he gets a little yeah. anxious about it being, gets about the dark it gets uh sticky yeah i can attest to that myself. well I, i'm sitting over in the passenger seat i i see it a little sticky <laughs> I bet you do. So, oh, I, I bet you do. It's funny. We were going. We were going to the Grand American the other week, and he asked me to ride with him down there. And we're going down the road. We're right there around Newberry, and there, there's a lot of construction going on. And there's cones and lights and trucks. And oh, no. I mean, even for me, it was a lot. You know, so he it, it's starting to get dark. Well, it already gotten dark, and we're going down through there. And I said, Lee, I said, uh, at, at any point you want me to drive, you know, let me know. 
And it, 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 he didn't hesitate. He was like, well, I'm pulling over right now. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I so. can believe it. You know, I, I was thinking back a couple of years ago, I got some brownie points because my wife let me know that she wanted a, a dachshund. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've spoke about this before. She had one years ago. And she's loved that dog. That was her all-time favorite dog. She had several dogs down through the years. They weren't hounds. Mm -hmm. She had uh, an old sheep dog that she loved. She had some sharp pays that she really liked. She said one was dumb as a box of rocks, but <laughs> and all that. But so she's she's always been a dog person. Loved dog. So I found out through her daughter that she wanted a, a dog for Christmas. And I said, I can't believe that she does. Because we'd had a healer. We got a healer at Grand America. I took him home from, came out of Ohio. And he was a great little dog, but he was way too much energy for us in our environment. We live in a retirement community there in Florida and all. And so you had to do everything on leash with him mm -hmm. and all. But anyway, so I found out from her daughter, yes, sure enough, she wants a dachshund. And so uh, I confronted her about it because I was, you know, I said, you serious? You want this dog? Yeah, yeah, I do. I think I'm ready. I want one. So I went all the way to, uh, I tried to cut the chase. I went all, I flew to Dayton, Ohio, got a rental car and drove over to Richmond, Indiana with this breed. He's a coon hunter, mm. Tyler Stroh. I don't know if you ever met him. Nice. And hunts black dogs. But anyway, he had a good reputation for having some good dachshunds. So anyway, I made the deal on the phone with him. He happened to have this male puppy, and I drove up there, and I got that pup, and I put it next morning, early on, I got uh, in the car and drove 19 and a half hours nonstop back to mm. Port Richie, Florida, with that dog. Got home about three o'clock in the morning. She was out there, got the dog out of the seat of the car, and went in. <laughs> but she's loved that dog. I mean, that's paid huge dividends. Yeah. But the long story in that 19 and a half hour drive at night, the nighttime, going through Atlanta. And it started raining. Mm -hmm. And all these people, I don't know why they do this. This is a pet peeve for me. Why do they turn on their emergency flashers when they're arriving in the rain? Do you know? Is that something that you would do? Or I, I to me, it just drives me nuts because yeah. all of a sudden you got all this blinking light all around you. From uh, yeah. I think they do it, Steve. I I'm not going to say I haven't done it, but I think it's more of a safety thing because you can't hardly People see. People hit you in the back. People hit something. you in the back. Yeah, I think it's yeah. just more so you yeah. can see. Because yeah. if it's pouring, if it's coming down that hard, you probably can't at, see. At time, you can't. Yeah, yeah, and that's true. And we should all stop and pull over on the side. Well, a lot of people do that too. But I, I, I realize that my uh, my night vision, you know, it's, it's starting to go away. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, you know, it, it's that's just a part of the process, you know. Yeah. But yeah. I finally get, get broke down a few years ago and got glasses. I had reading glasses all over the house. Mm -hmm. I finally decided to get glasses. And I remember walking out of the, the optometrist or whatever, and I said, whoa, there's a whole world out here. <laughs> and I didn't know if it yep. existed anymore. But, no, I, I, that's great. And I, I'm glad that you're kind of looking after our buddy and uh, – yeah. Uh, you, well, know. you know, he got that he got that new young dog that uh, Megan Perez and them dropped off to him at the Grand American. I yeah. think it's lit a fire up under him again. Good because yeah, so. I could see that because he uh, today 
he, you know, he was out there showing that dog, and the dog looked good. Well, he's per, he's, a, he's, he's a nice gonna win dog. some stuff with it. I told him, I said, "You'll have that dog ready by autumn oaks. They better be, yeah. better red, be ready." He, he, he's a nice hound, and yeah. I, he's he's really excited. That's why I was telling Lisa and them earlier. They done they didn't gave him a dog, and I'm gonna have to be all over the country again <laughs> for the next year. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, you know, that's one of the things about these bench shows. I think you know back. Well, when I was at PKC, they kind of, one of the reasons I was hired, didn't want to start a show program there. And uh, some of the old hardcore hunters said, oh, what are you doing giving money to these show dogs? And, you know, I look around here today when when the show was going on and so many young people. We, mm-hmm. we mentioned Lauren, you know, when she was young and how much she enjoyed that during that time and all and even though she's got a family coming now, you know, a baby, and she's building her own family and all that, she's always going to remember those days. Oh, yes, sir. And she's always going to have a fondness for coonhounds and coonhound people, she even if she never people. did. Yeah. Yes, she met a lot of good people. And, and that pays big dividends for us mm-hmm. because we're just a little bitty fraction of even the hunting world, mm-hmm. and it's you know is not huge compared to the overall population. Yeah. So, for these kids to see, and and it is it's a it's turned into a woman's sport. Yes. You know because they're so darn good at it and <laughs> yes, they're passionate right. about it. Yeah. But uh, that just does me more good than I, you know, just to sit and watch these kids and they're interacting and they're with the dogs and with each other and all that. And what's, what, what could you say bad about that? Not nothing. It's a good, yeah. wholesome sport. It is. I mean, it's a good, I'd rather my kids be doing this and doing a lot of other things. Oh, absolutely. And I, I know when I was a kid, I, I mean, God forbid we didn't have phones and tracking on us and all that back then because I did a lot of stupid stuff. Oh, yeah. But this kept me out of a lot of trouble, too. Yeah, exactly. Because um, there was a lot of weekends I wasn't at home, mm-hmm. you know, to get in trouble. Because exactly. I was traveling the country with yeah, Lee when you're and just at home hanging out with your buddies and nothing to do, you're gonna find something. You're gonna find to trouble. Do. Yep. yep. Especially at that sure. age. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, Lee was just talking. I recalled a story he told about you know when Lee Junior Penny we called him mm-hmm. was uh, young and hunting, you know, and and he was trying to thaw out all his coon hides to sell them in the house, and he had. To the heat I think turned he up so, high, and he said, Lee said, it smelled. <laughs> you wouldn't believe how bad it smelled. But he was also talking about the fact how he would take those boys, you know, and drop them off maybe or, or that haul their bicycles. or I don't know, something mm-hmm. with talking about when his boys were young. Lee oh, had yeah. four boys, yeah. and uh, as you know. and uh, But the, that's – I tried to make a coon hunter out of my boy. But basketball mm-hmm. took over. That's what mine's yeah. doing right now. My oldest son, or yeah. my only son, he's yeah. 13. That's he, right. I yeah, forgot. He don't, you. Care. he don't care anything about uh, hunting. He went with me a little bit when he's five, six years. That was fun then. Oh, yeah. You know, but it, he he's just care doing less. something with dad. Yeah. He yeah. could care less now. Oh, yeah. yeah. They, you got to love it. It's got to be something that gets down deep, you know. Yeah. And, well, I. I've always told anybody that ever wanted to go with me, you'll you'll go once or you'll go a bunch. Yeah, I'll break you tonight, or, or you'll or, or you'll want to go more. That's you either love funny. it or you hate it. When I lived in Michigan, I had a lot of guys say, "I want to go coon hunting with you sometime." I said, "Come on, bud, just yeah. get 
you know, if it'd be winter time, I said, just wear some good boots and, and a warm. I got a light for you, but come on, warm co- clothes and we'll go. And, and usually it was one and done. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I remember a lot of nights, even when I was hunting hard back a few years ago, I mean, it, it'd be nights I'd scratch my head and be like, what in the world are you doing? I mean, you could be at home. Cuddled yeah. up in the bed, good warm bed, and you out here chasing a dog around the woods. <laughs> I've had that it. feeling many times, yeah. and it was usually when I was in Michigan. I hunted a lot by myself, and I'd be up there humped up against an old oak tree or something on the edge of a cut cornfield, and I could look over a quarter sometimes, maybe not half a quarter, at a farmhouse over there. The lights on. I say that farmer's over there. He's either cranked back in the recliner. You know, mm-hmm. or he's in bed with his wife in a nice warm bed, and I'm standing out here all humped up, here about to freeze to death, waiting yeah. on a dog. To, I said, "There's something wrong with this picture." Yeah, but I loved it. Yeah. I always loved it. I don't, I tell people this, and I mentioned it the other day on a podcast. I, my role now is a cheerleader. I'm I'm cheerleading for all these young people and all the. For the sport, naturally, that it'll go on, that the kids will be able to enjoy it. It may come to the day we're hunting. I mean, it, it's a thing of the past mm-hmm. where all we will have is these shows and yeah. maybe some some controlled field trials and things like that. But if it is, it is. But we're going to, you know, try to. And I applaud UKC and PKC and Pro Sport, every, all the organizations that are trying to to keep this thing new and fresh and all. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think as we look down the road, it's going to get tougher. Oh, it is. Well, I've seen it even in the last few years. I mean, you know as well as I do, just hunting land in general is hard to come by. And um, mm. the deer hunters are, are keeping a lot of that. I, I know down around our house, they lease a lot of land and that you can't hunt it. You can't hunt You can't find private land. That, that was one of the reasons I stepped back a couple of years ago when mainly Preston started dirt bike racing we were traveling mm-hmm. a lot and doing that but then it i lost a, a club land that i had and i lost some other you know just some other spots that mm-hmm. i had i had five or six turnouts that i could do on a nightly basis you yeah. know and i lost all that oh, almost yeah. almost overnight and then mm-hmm. i kind of got you know i was like you know what I, this is just it's gotten the worst more work exactly well for me in florida uh, summertime forget it i don't even try to hunt oh yeah there. i wouldn't either but in the wintertime like now you know, you basically have to go to the wildlife management areas mm-hmm. because the deer leases and all of that, you know. Same way and, with us. And, uh, yeah, so I have to drive an hour to hour and a half to yep. turn a dog loose. So it's it's definitely – and I was noticing even in Michigan where I lived, I had some – I don't believe you came up with Lee and Hunter with me in Michigan, mm-hmm. did you? No, sir. I know some of his other friends, Harold Kay and Fred Sims were up and, yeah. and all, but uh, – you know, I began to see right about the time I left there to go to uh, North Carolina for AKC. I noticed that I, they were building subdivisions in some of my mm-hmm. on some of my farms and and all, and it it, it was coming. You yep. know, and uh, it's a sad thing to see. But at Florida, they've ruined Florida. I loved Florida in the '60s. I went to college there. In Central Florida, in Lakeland, and it was orange groves and 
cattle farms mm-hmm. and lakes full of big old bass. Yep. And I loved it down there. It was it was great. Yeah. Dove hunting, quail hunting, all this stuff. Now it's wall to wall building mm-hmm. everywhere you look. Yeah. You know. I was I was down in Florida. That's uh, been I guess about a year ago. And I was in the West Palm Beach area, yeah. and um, we left there and went up to uh, Lake Okeechobee, yeah. and all through Clearest there. And, uh, now that's Portland. a different world. Oh yeah, that's still an old. That's the old yeah. Florida. Well, that's almost there. cowboyish. Yeah, it There's, is. It's kind of like go, the old Wild West. Did you go to uh, Yeehaw Junction? Did you drive through there? Is that in Is that in Okeechobee? It well, it's north of there. Okay, because we yeah. ate we ate. It's kind of like if you were in Vero Beach mm-hmm. and then come across. You can we drive for went miles it, and yeah. miles and miles, and it, it was cracker country. So yeah. The the cowboys. That's that, the word cracker didn't have the connotation that it does today. Mm-hmm. They were they their whips. They cracked their whips. They were the cowboys, and they called them crackers. Ah, okay. And that's where the word for Florida cracker came from. You know, but there were some huge cattle ranches in yeah. that area. Yeah. Then. Well, we ate at a. We ate a little steakhouse called Oak. I think it was called Okeechobee Steakhouse. Okay, and it's that was about the only thing there in town. Yeah, and the guys come in. They, you know, it, you, I would have thought I was in Texas. Oh yeah, I mean they come in, you know, cowboy hats, boot. I mean yeah, the whole oh, yeah. nine yards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You but get that, that ain't what you picture Florida, no. especially if you you, just, you don't picture Florida. Well, for I read a statistic a couple of years ago. I was looking into stuff, and there was there's more mama cows in Florida than there is Texas. <laughs> <laughs> they still raise a lot of cattle. We really? and we hunt, yeah. And and when I had good hunting in Florida, when I first moved down, this time my buddy's kind of retired now, and he was by access to all those ranches. He's a farrier, and he had access to a lot of mm. properties to hunt cattle ranches. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's still real big down there. Yeah, hmm. but most of them are sewed up, leased out to deer hunters or hog hunters. And, and stuff. Coon Hunter doesn't have much clout no. in Florida. You know? <laughs> no. no. Uh, well, Tommy, it's great to talk with you. We burned up 32 minutes of your life that you'll never get back. Uh, I enjoyed it. I, I, I always enjoy spending time with you, Steve, I and talking with you as well. Brother. I do so. too. And, you know, I, I guess it's that association with Lee because I always figured anybody, and, Tom, and Lee was always talking about Tommy, 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 Tommy. And uh, you've been a good to, friend to him and to me. Well, and it. I've enjoyed the hunts we've taken together at Autumn Oaks yes, and sir. things like that. I, 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 I hope we too. can do some more. Would love to. Yeah. So. All right. Tommy Lanning from Belton, Belton, South Carolina. Belton, South Carolina. Thanks for stopping by, Tommy. Thanks, Steve. Yep. Once again, we're taking advantage of the lull in the action here to uh, – record with a friend that stopped by that says he listens to the podcast regularly and enjoys it and of course we're always looking for those uh, <laughs> unsolicited testimonials i've got colby self of cushata louisiana did i pronounce that right colby yes sir that's right that's good well you're a young man how old are you i'm 32 years old i'm 30 33 june the 19th i see well you told me there as we were uh, talking earlier that you're kind of a, a newcomer uh to the sport of coon hunting is that right yes sir uh february of last year is when, when i really got into it hot and heavy I, I went a few times as a kid 
and uh, it, it it's a little different when you're older and you can do it on your own. I got you. Yeah, you as a kid, did you go with a parent or with uh, friends or what? I actually went with a, a friend of mine, or it was a a friend of my dad's that he worked with, and he uh-huh. he had a few blue ticks, and I went with him a few times, and yeah. we ended up moving off, and I didn't I didn't get to go with him much more. Yeah. But you don't you don't ever forget it. So it got in. You got the bug early when you first started going, huh? Yes, sir. Well, I, I just got the bug for dogs in general. I've always loved animals. I got you. Uh, I actually uh, hog hunted for a long time, and uh, I, we, ended, me and my wife Courtney, self, uh, we had a little girl. She's she's precious, four years old, and uh, I had to find something that may not be so dangerous because she's all about anything I want to do, and, I and, got and you. she loves the coon hunting just as much as I do. Yeah, well, that's great, and it's great for you to to realize that, you know, and find something maybe a little tamer. I tell people all the time, or through the years we've said, you know, it's uh, it's good to uh, – uh, coon hunting is a good gateway for kids and, and new hunters to get into hunting, you know, because of uh, – the fact that uh, the animals are involved and you don't have to get out there and sit in a deer stand and be quiet and freeze to death and all that kind of thing, you know. Yeah, she's she's definitely not about sitting still or being quiet at this moment. <laughs> I fully understand. I, I do. Well, it kind of you kind of piqued my interest when you said uh, that you listen to the podcast and you enjoy it. And I believe you even told me it's one of your favorites. Yeah, you just, you just draw a blank on me. That right. uh, any of them, any any of any them, coon hunting podcast, any okay. coon hunting podcast. Uh, yours, uh, the Coon Hunting University. Uh, yeah. Daniel uh, Faulkner or Felker. 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 Well, Felker. Yeah, the boys, the Coon Hunting Confidential yeah, boys. Coon Hunting Confidentials. If they can't get you laughing, I don't. I don't know what what will. <laughs> Uh, those are crazy guys i've known daniel for a long time uh, he was a, a friend and when he was younger hunted a lot with my uh our mutual friend david mckee over in south carolina and david uh, runs the grand american over there he's president of south carolina coon hunters president and all and worked for me as a field rep at akc and david's just family he's just a great guy and he would talk about daniel this and daniel that well that's how i got to know daniel you know yes. and then when we started these podcasts and all all of a sudden out of the blue i see he's he's wanting to do podcasts you know so we kind of back and forth a little bit at first and i tried to encourage him all i could but for no other reason than i enjoyed the stuff that they were putting out you know that's a little edgy for some people sometimes you know and they'll say well this is not necessarily for uh uh you know children or whatever and that's just mainly some of the language or something along but uh they're funny they are funny dudes and i've met them all in person and and have recorded with them in person a couple of times and they're just they're just fun i've, I've tried to get the wife to listen to me to a few of them on the way coon hunting she yeah. tell me quick hey so if you want me to keep going with you you're gonna have to cut this off before we get off in the woods i said they're just stories they don't mean it's gonna happen to us she said well you never know yeah she didn't want to think about it right right well do you you still uh do you still hunt i do i do i live in florida now and uh have 
for the last 10 years, 10, 11 years. Uh, I, the last time I went coon hunting was about two weeks ago. Uh, I don't have any dogs in Florida anymore. I have two dogs, one in North Carolina, one in uh, Virginia. And I have partners on those dogs. They own as much of them as I do. Right. Uh, and uh, so I, I kind of keep my hand in that way. Uh, Florida's a tough place to hunt. Uh, you living in Louisiana, you probably understand some of that. Uh, are you in the northern or southern? Where are you? In? It, I'm in the northern end of Up around Monroe? Uh, Shreveport. Shreveport. About, it's about yeah. an hour south of Shreveport. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm familiar with that area some. We were talking with Dexter Watley earlier here today, and Dexter lives in what they call that Arklatex area there. You know, he's in uh, around uh, Bivens, Texas, or yes. around Atlanta. But I, I've hunted in that area and had, had a lot of hunts in that area over time. Yeah. Well, we, uh, I traveled, uh, me and a good buddy of mine, uh, Daniel Reimer, uh, he got into it. We met each other on Facebook uh, about the same time well, we both cool. started getting into it and, and me and him hunt together three or four nights a week, but that's awesome. we, we're not, we're, we're used to hunting a bunch of water and swamp and big yeah. woods and yeah. that, uh, the little dog I was hunting last night. Uh, a buddy of mine owns him, Justin Wise. I, I appreciate him letting him bring me over here. Mine just wasn't looking wasn't looking good uh -huh. enough for, for me to think that I'd do any good. And uh, he got treated over a mile, and I hadn't walked any hills like what we ended up last night. Ended we, in the hills. We was, huh? It was over by Sardis Lake, and it was up and down the whole well, mile. I probably, if I just got a, stepped out on the porch, I could have probably heard y'all tree because that's where we stay over there on the lake. You you may could have because we weren't – he wasn't he wasn't treed – I bet it wasn't 100 yards off the bank of the yeah. lake. I'll be. Well, I saw on Facebook, maybe you saw that this week, that a guy had lost a dog over there. I, walk, I believe it's a walker female. Uh, he said he was hunting on that John uh, Kyle uh, Park over there, and that's where we stay in the cabins over there. Right. It's about 10 miles from here at the, at the Civic Center. But did, did you have a pretty good hunt? or? Uh, we actually ended up with a dead cast. Uh, oh, okay. the, the other cast members draw some minus pretty early, and, and I treat in quick, and or not treat in. I struck in pretty quick for 50, and uh, it took him a long time to work a track, and I heard him come on the tree with five minutes left, and uh, I went ahead and treat him, and uh, we was walking to another gentleman's dog, and we got in there, and he, he had moved, and we got it. Finally, got, he was over. He was 1.19, and I could still hear him oh, treeing man. somehow. Mm. And we got in there closer to him, and he'd, he'd actually he'd been treeing for well over an hour. Yeah. And uh, when we got in there to him, he he was back on the ground. Yeah. And, uh, but I couldn't be I couldn't be mad at him. He's no. He's no. he's not even two years old yet. That's he, right. Is that a Walker dog or what? No, sir. He's a he's actually a blue tick. Yeah. Out okay. of uh, yeah. I got it pulled he's up. He's looking here. at his he's phone, a, folks. He's out of Northern Creek Champ and uh, Phillips Brandy. Okay. Uh, I, I believe that's the... Is uh, the Champ dog the one that John Strickland was hunting? Yes, sir. I believe so. Okay. I believe that's this dog's daddy. We got some announcements in the background here, folks. We're going to pause just a second. I hear Alan Gingrich with the... Uh, with UKC, and they're probably going to be drawing the dogs here for the evening hunt pretty quick. Uh, 
Well, that's uh, that's coon hunting. You know, sometimes you have a real good time and it's all action packed and the score's good, and other times it's it's just coon hunting. You know, any any time you get to go to the woods to me is a good time. It's a good time. It's yeah. it's better than sitting on the couch watching TV. Oh, I agree with that a hundred percent. And I think almost anybody that's listening to this thing might not tell their wives that but they feel the same way well that's cool you interest me because you haven't been into it now for all that long now you've been back in about a year you say or what yes sir a little over a year Uh uh-huh yeah and it's been what everybody that knows me back home they're saying oh he'll he'll start that and he'll he'll go on to something else because i i was actually i shot competition archery Okay. For a long time, and uh, I've won several state championships and, oh, and, awesome. and things like that. And it, I just kind of got bored with it I over time, you. and and mm-hmm. I, I wanted to do something else. I kind of jump around mm-hmm. hobbies, but I, I believe this one here is is to stay. It looks the one that one that you really are relating to, right? right? Well, I've got I've raised I raised a pup of my own. He's a walker. Uh, I've, I left him at home. He ain't quite ready yet. He just turned a year old. But I raised him from zero. And uh, he's been treeing coons since he was six, seven months old, and and mm. watching one go from a puppy to, oh, yeah. to to start doing it, that's that's real rewarding to me. And I've got another one that's six months old. I'm about to start working with, and I kind of enjoy the the puppy deal. Well, you you're probably uh, an old soul. I mean, you you kind of talk like guys from my generation, and and those you know in between us that got a lot of enjoyment, you know, out of that training process and right. seeing the dogs develop. And, and you got a good chance, from what I'm hearing from you, to be a really good dog man because you kind of got to have that down deep inside, I think, that you, you know, really appreciate the basics, you know, and uh, seeing that, that young dog develop, you know. Right. Well, you, you may uh... – you you wouldn't believe it, but my my top uh, puppy starter is a yellow uh, stray cat that's around my house, and <laughs> if they can get to where they can run and tree her, yeah, they ready to start taking to the woods. Yeah, yeah. And <coughs> well, we don't want animal control down on us here for chasing house cats, but no, I get it because uh, uh, that. You know, cats will run better sometimes for puppies, you right. know, than a coon. A coon will just go up the first bush usually, and, oh, and all she, she's way smarter than those dogs ever thought about. Ever thought about being? It's funny to watch them. I don't put no big dog on them or nothing, but yeah. little old six month old puppy, not knowing they just want to chase something. Oh yeah, it, it is. Yeah. It is hilarious at, at times. Yeah. Wife, wife gets on to me because she feeds it. Yeah, and and the do- the daughter calls it her so. I guess it's the state. So, it ain't really so it's a, a family anymore. affair, then, isn't it? That's cool. I'm trying for it to be. She's yeah. They they both like to go daughter daughter more than some. I got when I go during the week, which I go a lot. I got I got to tell her to go to work. I'm going to work if I, she knows I'm going coon hunting. She has a meltdown. Oh yeah. And how old is she? She's four. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. Well, she's going to enjoy. We t- had this conversation earlier today with some other fellows. Right now, she's just loving being with daddy yep. and out doing what you're doing because you're the big guy. You know, you're the you're the source of all, of that fun. Well, mommy's always important, but it's uh, 
Yeah, but it, it, the proof will be as she gets older when other things start competing for her attention. Right. Maybe it's sports, uh, her friends at school and so forth. Man, I'm a I'm hoarse. I'm I'm hacking here today. <coughs> but uh but I think it's wonderful that you have uh, you know you're in, in introducing her to the sport and all. And that's this, Real this is the and this is the first big competition we've ever been to. We just we wasn't expecting to come over here and win or anything like that. Mm -hmm. We just wanted to experience it, uh, really. And and it's it's been a good time. Did you uh, bring the family with you? They today? did not. Okay. They did not. I didn't. I didn't know. I didn't know what it was going to be like over here. From the didn't know if they would have anything to do. More much less during the day. Me sleeping most of the day and them, you know, them having sure. to sit at the cabin. So, yeah, yeah, I got you. Maybe, well, maybe next year. Uh, I was talking to a friend of mine, Daniel. I said, we, we ought to try to make one of these at least one a year. I'd like to go to, yeah. I'd like to go to the Grand American and, and, yeah. and, and see them all. You yeah. Know, you know? Well, they're all a little different and then they're all uh, have similarities. You know, you got a big entry, you know, with a lot of dogs out there hunting, whether you go to Autumn Oaks, Grand American, or Winter Classic. And as far as the crowds and all, those are going to be your big events. Uh, the, I believe somebody was telling me that, that they, they hunt more dogs here just about than than just as much as all the rest of them well i don't know what the numbers are I, i've got a walk-up entry and i was one of the first ones up there and i'm number 352 mm. mm -hmm. so it's it's more yeah. than way more than that oh yeah yeah but, i'm sure they'll hunt more than that tonight just that's, friday that's nights, just in one night yeah friday nights are typically the largest night and the reason that is because pe people drive a long distance to hunt to the these larger hunts like this if the dogs are not operating just right or they didn't have a a good hunt the night before and all they say well i may i may go ahead and head back home you know so the entry kind of dips a little bit on saturday night but right. uh, I, actually, I actually asked our uh the lady we got our cabin through i said if uh i said i'm only gonna buy two nights if i end up winning my cast friday night then I'll go ahead and buy one, for, buy one for Saturday night. But I, I didn't. I said if yeah. he don't do good Friday night, well, I'm going back yeah. to Louisiana. Are you staying over at Sardis Lake? Close. Uh, yeah. you, okay. you turn like there, right there, going towards it. it I just found yeah. it on There's Air, Airbnb. On, uh, uh, that line of cabins right along the road there. It's right off the road. Uh, okay. Little I, blue cabins up on the hill. I see. That's cool. Well, there's several cabins around that you know you can rent and all that's what we do we stay out there that's john kyle state park right and i just get a reservation online you know each year i'm i'm giving away uh my information here everybody be in line ahead of me and i won't get one next year <laughs> but uh, no we enjoy that my friend arnold moore nubbin you may have heard me talk about him on on uh, the podcast he is with me and uh, we just enjoy, you know, kicking back and and take all the 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 stuff in during the daytime and see our friends and visit and, and all that. That's what makes these big events like this so much fun is the people that you see. And then there's a, a, a virtual shopping center here of anything that you want to buy for coon hunting. If oh, you we don't yeah. even want to talk about that. Yeah, I, I've already got a phone call saying. Saying so you don't need to get nothing else. 
She's watching that balance. She, she, she's she? watching the balance. <laughs> I said, well, everything that I might want, it's just at arm's reach here. It's, I said, I'm, <laughs> saving, I'm saving on shipping is what I tell her. There you go. There you go. Well, my wife, we were talking about this earlier, too. She's funny about it, and she's kidding. But I tell her, you know, they got all kinds of stuff here, honey. I'll bring you something back. I'll bring you a nice T-shirt or a hat. She says, if they've got a booth with high-end jewelry, that's what I want. You have to make a pit stop on the way home. That's right. I said, I don't think we're going to find that here. But uh, I, I was going to tell you, Mr. Steve, that last podcast you was telling me about uh, was it a is a heart attack or a stroke? A heart attack that you had had. I I actually I'm a young fella, but I've I've had high blood pressure since I was 16 years old, mm. and and it and it makes you wonder because I hunt a lot. I hunt a lot by myself, mm. and I have had to go to the emergency room before thinking I was having something like that and it ended up being an acid reflux because yes. I'm, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm on blood pressure medicine. But, but the yeah, the point I wanted to make, and I'm glad you brought that up. Don't wait. You know, exactly. Don't wait. Go Don't be ashamed. You know, guys, I think, you know, we're all macho guys. You know, we're we're bulletproof and, and all that. When I was 32 years old, I man, I didn't worry about anything like that, you know. But you, it there's a dock in the box on every corner around. Go in, get yourself checked, checked out, you know. And what has that cost you, really? Maybe a little copay, but at least the peace of mind of knowing. It would be worth it in the long run if it is something. Exactly. Because, unfortunately, I've known as long as I've been in the sport over the years, a lot of guys that waited too long, you know, that were they they didn't make it. So my my whole uh, purpose of that podcast was to remind guys that you do have that ticking time bomb in there. Yep. Now it may never act up, but if it does, you need you when you do have a problem, you need to get relief as quickly as you can. And a lot of times, that's just all on on you to say, "Man, I've been having these chest pains. It's don't. Uh, I'm not going to mess with this. Right? This ain't right. That's right. That's yeah. that's the whole key. Because I knew that night. I, th- there was a different feeling to that. At first, I thought it was indigestion, but I knew that there was something different about this feeling that I'm getting. Right. You know, and it was, I can only describe it as pressure. Right. It wasn't a stabbing pain that, you know, was felt like my heart was going to jump out of my chest. It just felt like you're a good sized boy, like you sitting down on my chest, right. and it just kept getting more intense. You well, know? I, I tell you, Mr. Steve, it ain't, it ain't nobody to really thank for that, but the but the man upstairs, because it, it, for you to be able to thank you get out of the woods and and get exactly. all the way to your truck and then drive exactly. to where the ambulance could get to exactly. you. That exactly that I, that's unreal. A, an incredible blessing. And when I did have the, I didn't talk about a lot of the details there, but when I did have the heart cath and all, I had one artery, that one they call the Widowmaker, was severely blocked. Right. And, that's that's and, the number one that gets everybody. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, it, I go ahead and I see your, your buddy there. You, it's time for the entries. I don't want to interrupt that for you. Uh, but anyway, uh, not to belabor, belabor that point, but uh, the, the amazing thing to me, and I'm a man of faith, too. I, I believe in the Lord. He, you know, he's looking after me. He's brought me thousands of miles over the years 
flying, driving, driving at night, late at night. We all know we drive when we shouldn't be driving. We're sleepy right. and all. And it's like my mother said, there's nobody out there, but somebody would see sleepy or drunk, you know. I used to work nights. And uh, mm-hmm. some of those mornings home, you, you just kind of come to, and oh, yeah. you don't even you don't even realize you're at the house. You know, <laughs> you don't you don't remember all the drive. It's it, it's yeah. crazy. It is, and and so there there must be special angels that hit sides to coon hunters, you know. But uh, that whole thing was an eye opener for me, and that's happened now sixteen years ago. And when it happened, I wondered, oh, they tell me I've got heart disease and I'll always have heart disease. And and I read about these grafts, these bypasses. How long do they last? They said, oh, well, like 12 years or whatever. I'm 16 years. You know, I've had, I get regular checkups and everything's going good. That Dr. Google is never good if you go to reading on him too much. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) That is exactly right. But, well, uh, I appreciate you uh, well, letting me talk to you, Mr. Steve. Is have you, uh, Colby, and uh, I'll be watching for you. And uh, do you participate? Have you participated in any of our uh, wheel and name spins that we have each week? Are you familiar with that? Uh, I'm not familiar with that. Okay, let me tell you what we do. Each week I post a question of the week, and it is the answer is found in the previous week's podcast. Okay. I have read something on that. I have so read something. So if you correctly answer that question and send your answer by private message to me, you can't post it right on Facebook. Right. If you do, it's disqualified. But send the answer in and you go on the wheel. We put a name just like they do these raffles and things. Right. So random. So, Random. Your your name goes on the wheel, and then uh, every Friday at five thirty. Uh, excuse me. <coughs> every Friday at at five thirty, we uh, spin the wheel, and uh, you get a Zep Lifetime Coon Squatter, which is a thirty dollar value. It comes in with a nice lanyard and all that. A copy of my book, Gone to the Dogs of Coon Hunters Journey. That's a twenty five dollar. I sell them for 20 at the shows. Yes. And we also get a Gone to the Dog sticker, which I'll, I think I've got some here. I'll, I'll try to give you one. And then there's also a nice lanyard that comes from W Hunting Supply. You can clip yes. your garment or whatever to it. So we do that every week, thanks to Mark Zapp with uh, Zapp uh, Lifetime Coon Squallers. I've, so, I've seen in the coon, coon hunting community, I hadn't, I hadn't met anybody bad yet. Well, good for you. Well, there's not, not, ve- there not, are very not, few and far between. Right. Not not yeah. here yet. I mean, everybody's your enemy, I guess, when you're in a cast. But when it's all <laughs> over with and, and it's over with, your buddies again. So. That's right. That's right. We were talking about that earlier about how coon hunters always step up when somebody has a need or whatever, you know. Well, Colby, it's great to meet you. I appreciate so much you coming up to the booth and introducing yourself. And, uh, yes, sir. And I appreciate I'm, you letting me talk that, to you. I'm glad that my – my listeners are going to know you now, and they're going to be watching for you on the big stage one of these days. Hopefully so. That, Maybe uh, tonight. Who knows, huh? Who knows? <laughs> that, uh, I do want to thank my wife, Courtney Self. She holds oh, she holds yeah. everything down at the house, and, and all the nights me me mm. me hunting or, or training. Everybody, I call it pleasure hunting, but it's really training if you're sure, if yeah. you're in the competition yeah. world. I, yeah. 
I really appreciate her and uh, and Justin yeah. Wise for letting me bring his pup down here. To, awesome. Where is, does Justin live there? In uh, he he lives in Natchitoches, actually, just, okay. just just a little south of me. But he's he's a real good friend, and 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 he. I don't I, I don't know if I could trust many people with my dogs, and I appreciate him trusting me to bring him down yeah. here to. You said Natchitoches, and I think about that. And over in Texas, it's Nacogdoches. Right. It's spelled just a little different with I. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Well, you live in a great part of the world, Sportsman's Paradise down there in Louisiana. And and I hope that goes on forward forever for you boys down there. I hope so. I guess we're about to go get drawn out. Oh, you get drawn out, Colby. I'm going to have to get out here and look at about. Uh, 70 or so outstanding coonhounds that have uh, placed in this top 10 for uh, and picked the overall top 10 winner, and I'm going to be one of the judges. So that ought to be interesting. That sounds. That sounds like I'd be. I'd be. I'd be nervous to to have to choose yeah. just one. They all look. I've never yeah. seen a dog show, but I don't know how they get them. I know for sure any of my hunting dogs wouldn't stand still no, that long. It's a different world. It's a different world. Okay, Colby, thanks for stopping by, buddy. I appreciate you a lot. Thank you. Yeah. All right, folks, here we are on Saturday morning at the Winter Classic in Batesville. And uh, we had a big day of activity yesterday. Uh, It was the first night of the Winter Classic hunt. Uh, and I'll ask our guest here in just a minute if he knows how many dogs they hunted. I, I didn't get that number, but I know it was a bunch. I videoed the opening, and the arena f- was covered with uh, with coon hunters. I was uh, filming from up in the kind of the mezzanine level here up behind the stands. And uh, But anyway, we're sitting down here on the floor right adjacent to the bench show ring uh, right by the uh, – stage where UKC runs all the activities here. We had a great time last night with the, the uh, top 10 bench show, and that's where the, the top 10 dogs, there's a point system based on dogs defeated and and uh, special wins, I think. But anyway, it was my pleasure to be one of the three judges, see some really beautiful hounds. It you know, I almost got a lump in my throat last night as I was able to walk around and put my hands on some of these dogs. And they're just a doggone beautiful. I mean, if you're a houndsman and you don't get a lump, you know, just seeing this magnificent creature that God's provided for us to enjoy. And and these and see so many young people, especially women in the bench show, arena man they those ladies have have kind of there's been a revolution there there's more women handling dogs now in the shows but what encourages me the most is the kids a lot of young people there was a lot of young handlers last night in the ring and believe me if they other than just being smaller than the adults They had it going on. They knew what they were doing. So anyway, uh, here we are, day two. This is the final day of the Winter Classic. Uh, And uh, there's a bench show. You can hear the cheers in the background. The bench show is going on right now. They're showing the champion dogs, and then they'll move into the grand champion classes. And then ultimately there will be a runoff 
between yesterday's winners and today's winners. But uh, just a big day. Vendors all around. Uh, several major vendors of, of coon hunting supplies and products are here on the floor uh, at the Civic Center. All the breed associations have their tables on the opposite side of the stage from where I'm sitting. And uh, been down visiting with some of those, the officers and and uh, directors and so forth of the associations. I see Trevor Wade coming across the arena right now. Trevor is the manager of the Coon Hound uh, department at UKC and does an awesome job. And uh, just uh, can't say enough about UKC and the staff they have and the how accommodating they are. They take like take an old guy like me. You know, I'm I'm just a has-been, but they provide a great area here for me to set up my booth and also. Anyway, that's enough for this old gravelly voice. I've got a guy here that came by yesterday afternoon, and I was packing up to head back to the show, and he agreed to come and, and record with me this morning from the great state of Georgia, Chuck Pudell. Did I get that right? Yes, sir. <laughs> Chuck, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing good. We had a great hunt last night. And That's just, what you were telling me. Tell us about that. How, how was that hunt? I got to draw out about 12 minutes from here. Ronnie Stark, uh, the uh, president of the Coon Hunter Association here in Mississippi, was the guide. Uh, ended up with just four uh, four outstanding hunters. Uh, had a black and tan female in the cast. It was a very nice hound, but my little, uh, little red female wampus cat Dottie that my partner Bobby and I bred, trained, and raised. She ended up with uh, 550 plus and and got a cast win. That's an awesome score, um, Dottie. Now, have I seen her on Facebook? You, I'm sure yeah. you have. Is she the the female that raised the puppies for you? Yes, here I recently? do have. I did get one litter out of her. Cool. What's the background on your your red dogs, Chuck? Uh, when I got back into this, I started hunting red dogs in the 90s, and then after 9-11, just got out of coon hunting from all the deployments. But when I came back, I started looking for uh, you know, the blood that I wanted. I went heavy Moonlight Kate, Aftershock, uh, and then some Rocky blood. But she's uh, she's out of an old dog I called Rangers out of Panhandle of Florida, uh, direct out of Aftershock, and a Jericho female. And she's... She's really coming cool. into coming That's into her great. own now. It's good to see the red bones out there competing. Uh, you know, when you go back in history, back to the 40s, when the events started cranking up after the war, and especially the field trials, which were the forerunners of the night forerunner of the night hunt, and all the red dogs were man, they were right on top. Most of the events were being won by red dogs. In fact, a red bone was the first night champion in UKC. So they kind of, it's been, you know, I guess popularity is not always the best thing. And back when Where the Red Fern Grows came along, it certainly brought a lot of kids uh, or piqued their interest in coon hunting. And that's a positive. But I think a lot of red bones probably were bred uh, for the market that maybe shouldn't have been. But I agree. But uh, yeah. Fad breeds hurt dogs. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's absolutely true. And, uh, well, you mentioned their deployments and all. You had a career in the military, right? Yes, sir. So that, what, 
what did those years span? I mean, I joined uh, as a private in 87. I uh, grew up in Michigan, went down to Fort Benning, Georgia, uh, did basic AIT airborne, then got stationed at Fort Benning, which is now Fort Moore. Uh, did five years in third range of battalion, um, fought in Panama, made E5 sergeant. And then a, uh, they had a deal said, if you'll re-enlist, we'll let you go to college for six months. I did that. That netted me a uh, scholarship to go to Columbus State. Got my commission in 95 uh, as a lieutenant, and I served another 22 years. Retired as a lieutenant colonel in 2017. Awesome. So we should be calling you Colonel Pudell instead <laughs> of Chuck. <laughs> Yeah, man. Well, thank you for that service. That's awesome. Thank awesome. you, and thank you for yours. Well, I did. I did my part. I guess it was a part. I was in the support function during the Vietnam War, stationed in Japan, in Japan the whole time. But uh, yeah, well, uh, you know, I I had you uh, on. A, did we do a podcast? We did before. Okay, yep. about the story we, about the young man Irvin. Yeah, uh, that I hunted with, yes. which is interesting because the last uh, couple months, Irvin's done a good bit of hunting with Bobby and I, yeah. and uh, so he's in his forties now, and uh, we're still busting through the bushes and cool. tree and coons. Well, you've mentioned Bobby a couple of times. What's his full name? Bobby Phillips. Phillips. Yes. Okay. Now I know that Kevin Phillips. A lot of people will recognize Kevin because uh, he's, you know, has been very active over the years. Uh, is Bo are Bobby and Kevin related? Bobby is Kevin's uncle. Bobby used to carry Kevin on his back coon hunting when I Kevin see. was just a, a young whippersnapper. I got and you. they hunted uh, you know that that portion of Georgia together. Yeah. And Kevin got out of the sport. He walked away yeah. from about twelve years ago, yeah. and then recently, about a year ago, uh, he got back in. He's handling uh, my Iceman dog. He's got a young Walker dog that's doing real well, and yeah. he took a uh, high scoring red dog at Autumn Oaks. He's qualified for the tournament champions and oh he's, yeah he's hunting hard i remember when kevin was running hard you know back those days even before when he teamed up with bt love and that what was that black uh what was that Walker black dog? creek magic black yeah. creek doc black creek abe he won purina yeah. points a number of times over oh yeah dogs. yeah yeah uh, very successful competitor yeah, I had many conversations with Kevin. Good to see him back in the sport. Well, uh, is this first time out to Winter Classic for you? No, I did Winter Classic when it was in Albany uh, a okay. couple of times back in the 90s. And then two years ago, I came here and hunted uh, my ranger dog, which is the daddy to my, my dotty female now. Yeah. Uh, ended up on a dead cast. And then last year, I was hunting dotty here. My wife got COVID right before uh, oh, the event, so I didn't didn't come last year. Yeah. And then... This was an interesting year because uh, my partner, Bobby, wasn't going to come. Back uh, around December, got diagnosed, thought he had stomach cancer. And uh -oh. uh, he's still been going hunting, but, you know, kind of prepping up for, you know, what was coming. And then uh, about a week ago, we found out he doesn't have stomach cancer. He's got, a, he's got a small cancer in his neck. They're keeping an eye on it. But he doesn't have to have chemo. Oh, that's great. So the night he that's found great. out, I put him right back in the bushes and <laughs> yeah. getting back after it. Right. So are you still hunting around Fort Moore there? I am. Are, I are do you? Okay. just about exclusively all my hunting on right. Fort Moore. Well, I wanted to, I wanted to kind of uh, explore this just a little bit. I had mentioned to you, or you had told me that they were going to be changing the names of some of the military bases. And, of course, my dad was at Fort Benning before World War II, and he often spoke about his Fort Benning days. And uh, I knew a guy from Seal, Alabama, 
uh, uh, oh man, his name is going to fly away, but I'm going to, it's going to come back to me. He was a, a major and he was a ranger and he had lost a leg. He had a prosthesis, but he would go when he went coon hunting, Bill Spees. Yes. Did you ever meet Bill? I uh, do not know him, but I know people that hunt with him. I know a young man. I was a teacher at Russell County High School down yeah. there in Seal. A uh, young man that uh, Bill was his like youth uh, director in, in church. Thank you. Well, that's awesome because Bill, uh, back in the day, was active in the Plot Association. Okay. And, in fact, my dad sent the dog down to him, and he hunted her. And maybe raised the little puppies out of her. I don't know. But Bill was such a character. He would get, when the dogs would strike or they'd come tree, and you'd be out there with him hunting, he would just start clapping his hands and spinning around. He wore a wooden leg when he was coon hunting, and he'd just spin around on that leg, clapping <laughs> his hands. He had more fun at hunts. But he was a, a president of the Plot Association at one time and traveled all over the country and was a great president for the group. And, uh, and also, that's a fond memory. Well, I need to meet this, Bill. meet this guy then. Well, actually, Bill was passed. Oh, has he? he yeah. That's got to be recent yeah. then. Uh, this might be in his son or something, but no, okay. I, I, the Bill would be... Bill would be uh, probably too old to coon hunt now. Okay. Yeah, but it may be a you maybe a relative. How, how long ago did he pass? Oh, I don't know. I'm going to have to plead the fifth on that. Okay. I I don't know, but I'm sure he's been gone for a, quite a long okay. time. But I'll do. I'll research that, okay. Chuck, and let you know. But uh, but anyway, what I was talking about uh, about Benning and Fort Benning and all the men that have gone through there. And it's it's amazing to me as I travel through there on, what is that, 280? Yes. Uh, and see all the the memorials there, the towers, you know, with the, the mount of the cavalry and the, uh, the paratroopers. and I don't know. You would know what the figures are. That's very moving, very inspiring to see that. And you were telling me that there's a museum there that people – yeah, the infantry yeah. museum, it's just off the post, so you don't have to get you know through the gates, yeah. and it's an outstanding. It's more of a uh, experience museum instead of just a collection of artifacts, so you walk through it, and you kind of get the uh, the experience of the infantry. Oh, that's awesome. i got to do that. I really do. It's worth a stop. But uh, like a lot of things in my life nowadays, I, don't, I shake my head at what's happening, and I just assumed that since the name had been changed now, so now Fort Moore, that that was not a good thing. But you're telling me differently. Well, it's political correctness. They changed yeah, the name uh, of any post that had uh, anything to do with the prior Confederacy. I, you know, I look at that, and that's just my own opinion that it's, that's American history. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they made that decision, you. and that's well above my. Uh, yeah, I understand that. I actually worked for a contractor on Fort Moore, and my first duty was to run the crew that changed the signs. And that oh, was quite a monumentous. Uh, I imagine. It was a very huge job. Yeah, and there was a lot of political correctness involved in it. I actually, I just turned those signs in a few days ago. 
um, because there's a fear that they would end up on eBay or something. Oh, they don't want yeah. somebody with a Fort Benning sign in their garage. Well, I did uh, notice, I might throw you a curve here, there's still a Fort Benning drive or something. Yes. In, yeah. So there's so still that's uh, like a highway or something. Yeah. And, you know, General Benning was, was a figure in that area. But I guess the only, the one positive, I try to find a positive about anything, was that Hal Moore is who they've named. Yeah, the, that's uh, what I wanted to get that. Uh, so if you've ever seen the movie uh, We Were Soldiers with uh, Mel Gibson, that was Hal Moore. He was a battalion commander in the in the Nadrang in Vietnam. Uh, just an outstanding leader, outstanding citizen. And his him and his wife were very influential at Benning. Uh, I always respected her because she was, if you remember the movie, they had uh, taxi cabs would show up at a soldier's wife's house to yeah. tell them that your your husband is deceased. And uh, I can't think, uh, I know her name, can't, I'm not recalling her first name, but Hal Moore's wife actually had them bring the notices to her and she became the person yeah, that would I go to a soldier's yep. yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah, very moving. Yeah. Well, that's great. That's great, man. I love, uh, I love her country. I love her servicemen. I love everything about it. I don't love everything I see coming yeah. through my screen every day. But we still live in the greatest country in the world. I agree with uh, that. Absolutely. Well, um, you're hunting again tonight. I am. All right. Good deal. Now, do they take a top 10 or 20 or whatever each night? Or how does that work for the placements? Or is it an end of I should know this stuff because I started this hunt in 1988. But I think, you know, it's gone through some changes and all. Uh, do they place you each night individually? See, I'm not sure. I I, I think it's just two individual hunts looked okay. at, and then that's the way we yeah, used to do. It. I believe yeah. that's the way it's worked. So we will we'll draw yeah. out on the cast tonight, and if we can a, get a another ball game. Yeah, yeah. another cast win. So they're going to award winners for the Friday night hunt. Uh, there will also be winners for the Saturday, and then there will be a combined score of. Will, will they do a final four type thing? They won't. Tomorrow? No. Okay, so they just take yep. the combined score. Combined okay. score. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's 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 cool. That's fun to still be. I'm sure it is for you. It would be for me if I was a little younger, to be out there competing with these guys. I saw a, a trailer, a dog trailer, in a truck out here from California. Whoa. That's a long That's way. That's a away. good drive. Yeah. yeah. I drew out uh, one of the kids, uh, he's 21, uh, on the cast last night with a blue dog was from Oklahoma. You know, that's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, that's a pretty, pretty good, good home too. ride, too. Oh, there's people here. The people are staying in the cabin next to us. Uh, they're showing dogs here this weekend. They're from uh, around Toledo, Ohio, right up. I've seen so, some uh, Iowa folks here, too. Yep. So. Yeah. Well, when we started the Winter Classic back in the 80s, the idea was to have a place for the people, especially up north, that were all iced in, to come and have an event. Yeah. And the AKC uh, had been ACHA, had the Grand American back in those days. And UKC wanted a presence in the, in the southeast. Because southeast has always been, you know, a strong area for coon hunting. And so that's why we settled on the idea of having the Winter Classic and settled in uh, we looked all over georgia and south carolina at fairgrounds and all and ended up in albany and i used to like said, that event yeah they call it albany albany <laughs> yeah that's right but uh yeah great tradition great history i uh, i would just you know i'm so thankful that i'm able to still uh participate in some way with these events 
I have no official capacity with UKC whatsoever, but Alan and Trevor and the people at UKC treat me like family, and that makes an old guy feel good, you know, that, you know, I, I tried when I was with, I was with three different registries, and I never wanted to burn bridges behind me, you know, I, I took career moves because I thought they were the smart move for my family, and, and they were in the in the long run but i've been a ukc man forever ukc's been my my registry my dad it was kind of funny i've said this before but when the akc was trying to build uh, a coonhound program back before i ever worked for them they con they were trying to build the stud files on the coonhound breeds and they contacted my dad uh, who was not a competition hunter, but he always kept his papers up to date and he loved the pedigrees and all. And they, he got a letter from AKC saying, you know, we would like you to provide us your pedigree so we can build the stud files on the plot breed. And he, he didn't even, I don't think he even replied to the letter, but he just scoffed at it. He said, I'm a UKC man. <laughs> he said, "If they want that information, they're going to have to get it from somebody." I've always had outstanding uh, just professionalism. Matter of fact, it was interesting. Uh, it was a number of months back. I don't remember if it was on your uh, page on Facebook or another one. I made a comment that I'd called UKC and I listed the lady's name that had helped me. What an outstanding and professional job! And you, uh, you asked to pass that on to Alan. You yeah, kind of, I, did. Uh, I did. And she reached back out to me, sent me an email, and, uh, and thanked me. I was trying to remember her name because if she was yeah, here, I, I wanted to. I don't remember uh, either. It seemed like it was Emily, but uh, I wanted to go, Emily, Megan? I'm getting bad with names. There is but, a uh, Megan, I know that. I was going to go yeah. shake her hand, but I couldn't yeah. remember the name. But yeah, you know, and I'd say uh, as much of praise as I'd give UKC on this event, a lot of these Mississippi folks have just. They go above and beyond. Uh, Ronnie Stark and, oh, yeah. and a number of those. Uh, just good Ronnie hospitality. Ronnie is a worker. Ronnie is is a good friend. I uh, first met him down here. Uh, he's he's a big Alabama football fan, but he lives in Mississippi. And he, uh, I know a couple of years ago, he asked, uh, invited me to come and speak to the, the youth hunt that he puts on. Uh, I say he, I'm sure he has a lot of help, but he's into that. Yeah. He's here with these slam hunts each night. Uh, you see Ronnie, he's working. And he's a busy guy, too. He's a coroner yep. of his county and all. And he, you know, but he's, he's just one of those good guys that are always out there giving back, you know, to the sport. He ran, uh, well, I got to be the guest speaker at the Mississippi State Youth Hunt this year. Yeah. And I said, well, if I'm going to go to it, I'm going to take kids. And uh, as much as I love hunting and fishing, I love working with uh, young people as much as anything. But I had a, a crew, uh, a young girl and a boy out of the out of the south side of Columbus, Georgia, kind of the impoverished area that have started coon hunting. And uh, the uh, took them as an African-American girl and boy, and we did the hunt in Mississippi. And we were riding back, and a girl's name, uh, Kiana Coleman, she calls me Mr. P. She said, Mr. P., I'm going to tell you something. I said, okay. She said, I was a little hesitant. She said, the only thing I know about Mississippi is you know, what you've seen in movies or heard. And she said, I kind of had this false perception that Mississippi was, you know, 
backwoods or it could possibly be racist even. And she said, I think if there's any state I would like to live in, it'd be Mississippi. Those were the friendliest. And she by name talked about Mr. Ronnie. It's just how much uh, they did at that event. Her and her brother both got to do the bench show. They competed uh, in the night hunt and uh, just really liked the state of Mississippi and liked the people in the UKC that ran that youth event. Sure. And I think Mr. Ronnie has as much credit to that as anybody. Right. Well, I I owe my connection pretty much to Mississippi to my buddy Nubbin Moore, who lived in northern Mississippi around Memphis for a number of years working. And uh, he hunted with a a lot of the, uh, the coon hunters, you know, from this area. Are they, they're doing a presentation, I guess. Oh, actually, I'd, uh, I'm not sure what they're doing over there in the ring. There's so much <laughs> going on around here. But No, that's great to hear. I talked to a gentleman uh, last night. I see him here each year. He wears a straw cowboy hat. Uh, he is a minister. He's been to like three seminaries. And, of course, he's a college grad. He is a black gentleman. He told me, uh, I was talking to him last night, and was talking about lessons that his father taught him. And uh, <laughs> it was quite humorous, some of the things he told me. But, you know, it's funny the things that our country has gone through. And we saw those movies, yep. Mississippi Burning yep. and all those things. And... You know, this gentleman's family was a victim. Uh, their farm, uh, their his father had died, his mother, they were trying to push her off the land, uh, even to the point of burning their home. And he saw this as a young kid. But his dad had instilled in him, you know, you hold your head high and you keep focused on what you, who you are and what you want to be. You know, I'm, I'm almost tearing up yep. here, but such great stories. But that's all behind us. You know, I, I hear so. And I know there's racism in this country. You know, I mean, people are people. But, uh, uh, man, it come to the South. You'll find some great people. I oh, love yeah. the South. Oh, yeah. I do. I was born in West Virginia, which in the southern part. And we were south of the Mason-Dixon line, although West Virginia fought with the Union during the war. But we were talking about, I was talking to Jay Milner here and about Confederate ties in our families. And my mother was a Hatfield, goes back to Devil Ants, he was a Confederate. (laughs) So anyway, but no, I I know that's way off base for coon hunting, but no, wonderful people down here. Really, a beautiful country. Oh yeah, you know, and good hunting here. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, you know this Mississippi Delta uh, on this, you know, this side of the of the Big River is probably just as good a hunting as the White River. You know, they've got the big hardwood bottoms behind the levees and all that stuff. You know, too. So, I, if I was a little younger man, I'd really want to explore some of that stuff. You know. I think the, uh, I drew out not 12 minutes from here and I think the woods I hunted in had the potential to, you know, have a thousand plus score easy on the right night. Yeah. Well, you brought a good score in there. Was that on three coon or more? Yeah, three coons. We got a a second strike, second tree on the first head of woods. 
recut and didn't much happen after that. We rounded them up. Second uh, woods, uh, second strike, first tree. And then on the third chunk, we sent them in. Uh, it was just me and another dog had remained. And a uh, black female got a, black tan female got a first strike, first tree. And my dog split about 200 yards, held pressure. And uh, that dog had slicked and mine had a coon. So you got to love it. Yeah, yeah it was good. <laughs> yeah. to, I, was, I was proud to see her hold pressure like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it's good to see you with some good red dogs out there and competing with those. I hope that's an encouragement to your compadres in the red breed that oh, they'll yeah. get out here and well, you can do it yeah, the yeah. color doesn't matter you know it's, it's so i owe a lot to uh you know when i got back into this uh, just a number of the the red bone guys that helped out wade coons ricky vickers uh and there's a number uh bruce uh simons over on the east side of georgia they've all helped out and some of them i've gotten yeah. dogs from and yeah and i think we got a pretty good line going now well, it, it certainly sounds sounds good. Now you'll hunt uh, tonight, and then uh, hopefully get some rest and head back to Georgia tomorrow. Yep, I'll be back to work on Monday, and then this coming weekend I've got a, a club hunt. And I'm gonna try to hit in Alabama, and then start gearing up for the Georgia State and the Alabama State. All right, yeah, you got that. And then do you do that uh, Peach Classic over there? I've never done that, but I want to start yeah. hitting that in uh -huh. the future. Yeah, that one comes in March, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Well, Chuck, it's been great visiting with you, man. It's been Good great seeing you, you again. Yeah. Well, I actually got to meet you in person, actually, but yeah. talked on the phone before, but, uh, yeah. good luck for the rest of the event and, and great talking to you. Well, uh, absolutely. And, uh, good luck tonight. I'll be watching for you. We all nubbing and I, we kind of said, oh, well, we won't be at the cabin tonight. We'll be back in Alabama tonight, <laughs> but, uh, we'll be watching to see that, uh, what's that female's name? Dottie. Dottie. All right. Well, good luck. Chuck Pudell from, is it uh, Phoenix City? Phoenix City, Alabama. Alabama, right across the line from Columbus, Georgia. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Chuck. Thank you much, sir. Yep.